What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And tonight, we are fired up to give you a doozy. We're going to be dropping that knowledge, giving you that fantasy football goo. This show is every strategy under the sun. And I'm happy to announce that I'm here to the left of me with Stag Party. Houdini got caught in traffic after some business, so it's just the two of us tonight. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And on this show, we're essentially going to be going through a number of kind of the current contemporary fantasy football strategies that a lot of the talking heads and experts out there are promoting and pushing through. We're going to talk about some of our own that we like to do and strategies we implement while we're doing fantasy football drafts. And uh, we'll kind of veer a little bit out, out of, uh, in and out of some other kind of talk of of you know updated news players and uh, just some other maybe not so much strategy but other kind of fantasy football talk. So how you doing, Stag Party? What up, brother? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm just ready to talk. It's been a while. I haven't gotten the voice out on the platform. A lot, a lot of words have been written recently. Yeah. Uh, draft kit, you know, that's out, and a lot of work goes into that. So it's been a lot of the behind the scenes type work. Now we'll get a little bit on the front lines. Split a little bit of lines, you know, maybe split a couple lines, and we'll go from there. <laughs> I got a quitter over here. I got a quitter. We've done so many lines that I got a quitter. Uh, left not really working anymore. Um, yeah, no, that's a great mention. Uh, Stag Party works so hard, as do a number of the people on our team, uh, but the draft kit is a, is a crucial uh, thing for us here at Pyromaniac. We've been doing it for, uh, I think, it's, I don't even know, but we've been doing it for about Since 2009? Yeah. That's, oh my God, like seventh year, eighth year. Uh, so that's pretty amazing, and our draft kit is like nothing else. Version 2 came out yesterday. 
Um, so pick it up. 20 bucks, you get 25 tabs of Excel uh, goodness. Uh, runs the gamut. It is like nothing else out there. I mean, I've, I've been told that the strength of schedule tab alone is worth the 20 bucks. We're idiots for only charging that much. Uh, if you buy it, it, the version now that just came out, uh, you'll get any uh, subsequent versions that we release between now and the start of the season. But it is badass. Hats off to you, Stag Party. We've got our updated tiers in there. we got player rankings. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not even going to go through what's in there. Just trust us. And it's the best 20 bucks that you can spend. Um, also, pretty exciting news. And then let's get into some of this stuff. We uh, we did kind of a, a light relaunch of our website. Uh, yes, two nights ago. Uh, so that's exciting. We've got our news feeds on the front end now. Uh, a couple other wrinkles that are happening there. Um, some updates as well at the mobile view. So we're pre- pretty excited. Uh, Pyro Pro, obviously, still a part of that. So we'll, we'll, we'll I'll talk to you about that as a as a promo a little bit later in the show, but. Party. Why don't we talk about some fantasy football and strategize this mofo? Strategy. Always, we're going to start with basically the best player in your tiers. Uh, and this isn't necessarily a tier one only approach because there are some reasons to do that. But your tier sheet is your holy grail on draft day. It's the only thing you bring, whether it's on an 8x11 because you don't want to buy 11 by 17 <laughs> pieces of paper for your printer. Or it's on your computer and you're just plugging along. No matter how you do it, it, it's all about the setup before you get to the draft. You got four columns, maybe five or six if you add in the kicker and defense. All those things are going to depend. I got on, a rookie column in mine. Yeah, all those things are going to depend on your league format. And you're going to set them up as such. That you're going to do them for your scoring format. You're going to do them for how many positions you start in your scoring format. So if you're starting, you know, two tight ends or two quarterbacks, you got to know that you have to go a little bit higher on those positions in your draft to get them. So, you know, you're setting those up in a basic standard draft, one QB, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and then, you know, your plethora of running backs and wide receivers, you're going to set it up to focus on the running backs and wide receivers. So those are directly in the middle If you get the first pick, you're looking at one of your top-end players at wide receiver or running back. And then if you're the last pick, you're probably looking at one of the top-end players in one of those two positions. Unless you're in the second round, maybe now's the time to strike the gambit on Gronk. Um, Those guys are all in play, but just setting it up so you sort of have values of players. And there's different ways you could do this. So... If I think guys have similar projections, that's how I put them in my tiers. I, I think if they're close or if there's a big drop-off between them and the next guy, uh, that's where I do my tier breaks. But some people will do it on variations of players. So let me give you an example here. Wide receiver threes. You can have weekly wide receiver threes who are guys you're going to start in, in, you know, in PPR leagues. You think they can give you five catches for 50 yards, 10 points. Great. Those are basically regular variants, wide receiver threes. So we've got some guys like Pierre Garçon, um, you know, Jordan Matthews. You know, there's just these types of slow and steady performers. And then on the flip side, you could have high-variance players. You've got your guys like Deshaun Jackson, uh, guys who could take the top off the defense and have some big games but otherwise they also have that you know low floor 
So the ceiling, floor, and sort of middle ground approach is one way you could do your teams. Because you don't want to have too many of these blow-up guys that could do it on a weekly basis. Because there'll be weeks when you will get blown out. But if you could get a good mix of the guys with that upside and the consistent production, that's when you're really shaping and molding the best team. Well, when I'm doing, when I go in, and as we're talking here about that best player in your tiers kind of approach, um, I really, I really try try to make sure that even if I'm kind of overabundant at a position, I, I probably still, but there, there's a guy screaming off of my tiers in a certain position, and maybe even I've I've taken two running backs with my last two picks. But then it comes back to me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, the best value on my friggin' tiers is still a running back. You know what? Go for it. Grab that running back again because you just I'm – I'm an open trader. It, there's nothing worse than having the five amazing running backs on your team and you got the shittiest wide receivers. Well, you know what you do? You, you move some of that tri- talent at running back, and you get yourself some – Talent in a position you're you're void of a little bit, but don't be scared in the best player in your tier approach to in a certain kind of uh, spot in the draft to have gone uh, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, or back to back tight ends, or just it does not matter if you really feel in your tiers and you've vetted those and worked through them and pit these guys up against each other and spent a lot of time on them. Your tiers are speaking to you and you've done mock drafts. So do not be scared by those tiers and be like, you know what? Oh, my God, this guy's bouncing off the page of me, but damn, I just took a couple running backs. I don't need another running back. And then you go and you grab a position that you know you need more maybe, but the value isn't there as much. I'm telling you, every time I do do that, and I did that in our latest mock, number two, I went and I was like, you know what? I think I can hold out on Gillisley. I think I can hold out on Garcon. I've got four wide receivers. And I do that, and both, both those times in that mock, those guys were taken. And then I was bummed out, and I'm like, you know what? My tears were screaming out and telling me to grab these two guys, and I didn't do it. So um, with the best player in your tears approach, uh, don't be afraid to change around and go by, you know, by necessity of position and then take the best tier guy in there. But also do not be afraid to keep on grabbing the same position in a, in a few rounds in a row if that's what your tiers are saying. Yeah, and other approaches with tiers. You can sort of set up all tier one guys as maybe the ten best guys in the league. And if they're all running backs or wide receivers, that's great. If you're in a 12-team league, you know, guys that are first-round picks, all 12 guys, those can be your first-round picks, blah, blah, blah. That's one way to do your Tier 1. Then you can do the same thing for Tier 2. Maybe, But if you're doing that, maybe you're not having a quarterback in Tier 1 because you know you're not going to take one there. Yeah. And he's really a Tier 1 player. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a Tier 1 player, but he shows up in Tier 3 because the earliest you will take him is yeah. in the third round. Yeah. And that's a different way to do it. And there's lots of different mi- little ways you can do your tiers. There's no right or wrong way. Yeah. We've got the way we've done it for years and years that we're comfortable with, that we've pounded you know, the table for. You know, Get the best guys in your tiers. But we're also, outside of just the tiers, we know when we're willing to take our first quarterback and our first tight end. Even if they're, you know, even if they're a tier one guy and it's the fourth round and... You know, it's like, I, I don't really want Drew Brees in the fourth. Yeah. That, that's just, you've got lines drawn in the sand. He might be a tier one player. It's like, I'm not taking a quarterback right now, and I feel like I can get, you know, the same value from someone a little bit later. 
So I like to load up on those running backs and wide receivers, you know, through the, at least the fourth, fifth round. And if a guy like Luck is there in, in the fifth, I, that's when I'll usually snatch. But, you know, tight ends this season, have, you know, rose up the boards a little bit. You know, Gronk's going around pick 20. Travis Kelsey not far behind him at pick 30. That's getting a little bit overvalued for me. Um, but a lot of that's going to depend on scoring and, and differences there. So it, it just depends. I, I still know that even if I have Aaron Rodgers as a Tier 1 player, I will not take him, you know, in the first or second round. And then to go on, and not we're not trying to make, turn this into a Tiers uh, podcast, but this is the subject matter and the strategy we started out with. I'm not afraid. We can't do this on our tiers that we present to you guys because we want we have to have every player in those so that you guys see them. But for me, if there's a guy that I don't want, not saying that Aaron Rodgers, I don't take him off. But, you know, I, I'll never have – he won't be on any of my teams because I'm not going to draft him early like you just said. But if there's a guy that I flat out don't want this year, I'm not. he's not going to be on my tier sheet. I just leave him off, and that's – no big deal. When he's off, when he gets picked, I don't have to scratch him out because he was never there in the first place. Um, you know, one thing I did notice with uh, with your our, our last mock uh, stag party is that you started out, um, and but just to go on this, this maybe this is a, a strategy. Maybe I should wait, and you can talk to this when we talk about the strategy. But I I noticed that you started out and you did you started out heavy running back. So let's let, we'll, we'll go. We'll talk about that when we're on a strategy piece um, in that regard. But let's talk about our latest mock a little bit because that's kind of some somewhat re, uh, recent uh, real world world uh, drafting that happened that we can look at. Um, anything else that uh, you you'd say as far as that best player in your tiers? And in general, if if you don't do tiers, you should. But if you don't and you're going and you just got your rankings and you got your top list or you whatever way you use, you use fantasy football indexes, cheat sheet, you use uh, charchians, uh, whatever, uh, spreadsheet and cheat sheet, whatever you use, what we're saying here is best player. You're always, no matter what round you're taking, whoever is the highest on your rankings or the highest in your tiers, you're going with, you're, you're diving in on that guy. And again, you, sometimes you can find yourself stacked in a few rounds in a row with uh, one position, but it doesn't matter, man. Get the best guy. Um, you think about how an NFL team does it. You know, they got they got positions to fill and needs uh, when they're in a draft room. But a friggin' an amazing talent in another position sitting there that they had no, they never thought in a million years would be there. Uh, you, you plan B it. You say this guy's too good to pass up. Yeah, and that's when teams really draft the best is when they take that approach. And you can always see it. It's like, hey, we didn't need this guy then, but we may need him someday. And he could be the you know the game changer for you. I felt like the best two teams in the NFL that drafted in this year's uh, draft, 2017, I thought the two teams that did the best all around were the Browns and the 49ers. Both teams did that. They were both sitting there in that first round. Like, Damn, this guy's still here. We're grabbing him. Uh, in the 49ers case, they traded back even to get Foster. They're like, this guy's still around? Holy shit, we had him going in the top ten. This guy's still around. So I agree. Do like they do. Uh, great teams to draft the NFL for your own squad. And uh, the best way to do that is to go with the best player available. But that's not the only strategy. And we've got a number of other ones that we want to discuss here. So um, I figure... 
Let's continue on unless you got anything, anything else you want to pounce on. Then. Let's hit up the next one because I think we will bounce back to a little bit of tears talk in some other strategy pieces yeah. like how to use tears during auctions. Yeah. You know what they call that, guys? They call that a teaser. Yeah, I like, I like that. You're good. You're good. I can't wait till that part of the show. Oh my god, you got biting at the bit over here. I'm doing bumps. I'm, I'm doing, and I'm biting at the bit. This is great, man. We got to do these podcasts more often. Yeah, once a week or something like that. I, I miss Houdini and his victories, though. Right now, victory, victory. Houdini's in traffic right now, cursing. I thought you were seeing us, and he's yeah. like. Oh, these jerks. <laughs> what a dummy, though. I'm going I'm to rip on him for a second. He knew he had this late meeting, and he already told me last night that he was going to be late. So why not bring the change of clothes? Like, he's like, I got to change. Gotta or go who eat. gives a shit what you're wearing? Yeah. Come in your construction t-shirt. He's probably wearing a suit, but he's like, I got to go home. And, like, that alone added another hour. An hour. So we're like, like, just screw it. Like, prepare better, buddy. Bring a <laughs> pair of sweatpants or come to the thing. We love you and we miss you, Houdini. But right now... I'm drinking a Fist City Val Verde style, and uh, Houdini's in traffic, so I guess uh, I shouldn't be. Sucks to suck, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard of that. That's good. Um, Oh my! I like that one. Really sucks to suck. Oh my god, that's great. You can tell all your lead mates that too after you use your tears in in traffic. Uh, So I think the second approach we should talk about is the. Hot button topic, seemingly yes, last year, but it really came about uh, back in 2013 in an article by Sean Siegel, who is known on Twitter as FF Contrarian, and it is one of the contrarian strategies out there, or or at least it was back, you know, a year, year and a half ago. So zero running back, it gets a lot of pub. If you search zero running back in you know Google right now, you probably find. 10 recent searches, 10 recent articles, just about, you know, zero running back. So his original piece was called Zero Running Back, Anti-Fragility in the Myth of Value-Based Drafting. And it takes a lot of things into account. So zero running back is, in layman's terms, you have to be able to admit your faults and admit that you can be wrong on players. And one of the positions we're wrong the most on is running back because they do get injured at higher rates than other positions. So by embracing the randomness, uh, you're taking into account getting more solidified at a position that's easier to project. Uh, And that allows you later in the draft to take more bullets at running back. Uh, You can get, you know, plenty of them. You can draft seven or eight, and then you know where you're spending all your fab dollars, know where you're looking for your waiver wire pickups. Uh, but the, this, it's, I like it. I just don't like it to the extent that I'm going five rounds you know, without a running back. I, I think there's places for it, and I don't think it's a standard approach, but when leagues become PPR and push up the value of wide receivers – that's when you should really, really consider it. Um, well, I, I know you're, you're a detractor, so I'm. I'm. I, well, I'm not as. I don't like a zero RB or the you don't opposite. Like zero anything. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like. I don't like to go in and predetermine to have what I'm doing. 
I honestly think when we were doing this podcast, there was I, I change. I'm, I'm fluid with the, the trends and the talent that's in the league. There's some years that I'm like, wow, dude, I'm feeling that there's not enough talent. And my tears tell me that, wow, the drop-off is enormous after these seven guys. So I'm just all in on the first three rounds, making sure that I come out of there with running backs because there's just a hell of a bunch of other wide receivers, quarterback, and tight ends that I like. Uh, later on. Then the next year it, fe- it feels different. So each year to year based on the talent and now that we know so many, the influx of rookies that can make an impact uh, last year was a huge one um, as well. Uh, so I, I changed, but I don't like going in and saying, here's my strategy, I'm going to do this and this and no way I'm going to do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the following year I might be all in on that approach. Yeah, the, the That strategy in itself is an interesting one to talk about. Just fluidity. In your draft, let's do that. But hold on, I, I want to let's 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 hold that. I let's definitely do that because I I like that. But here's here's the reason why. Um, let's just with this zero RB. Let's talk reason, to its merits. The, the, well, I'm, I want to look. I'm going to look at the ADP for the last couple years. Last year and the year before at running back, uh, based off of you know ADP. Let's, I'm on fantasy football calculator, or whatever. Changes a little bit if you're looking at your ESPN. Park site, or if you're looking at Yahoo, or you're looking whatever. But uh, last year, to give you an idea, Todd Gurley was the number one ADP at running back. Think about that. Think about if you had taken, if you had taken Todd Gurley as the number one overall pick, how devastating that would Adrian have been. Peterson would have been top at Adrian Peterson. So it's Todd Gurley, David Johnson. Obviously, David Johnson panned out. Ezekiel Elliott was third. Obviously, he panned out. Adrian Peterson was fourth. Obviously crushed a lot of my teams and a lot of our listeners' teams. Lamar Miller was fifth. Le'Veon Bell was sixth. Then you got He eight. had a suspension there. That's true. That's true. Okay, so he missed those first two games because um, it came down from three, I think, to two. Uh, Eddie Lacy, seventh. Jamal Charles. Oh, my God. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he turned out good. And uh, McCoy turned out good. So that, that's, that's last year. And I'll that's what, play. half? Half busted? Yeah. 50% bust rate? Yeah. So. Well, let me go, let me quickly just go to, and then we'll discuss this. Let's, uh, I'll go to 2015. And, I'll, you know, I think we'll do a better job of remembering two years ago, a season than most people. But Adrian Peterson was number one. That was, that turned out to be devastating. Bad. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was number two. Eddie Lacy was number three. He was num- He went first overall in a number of my drafts. So we'll, we'll go down as one of the worst draft picks of all time that year. Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch that year. He had a bad year. That was his last year before he came back. C.J. Anderson was a bust. Remember, thank God Houdini's not here to yell at us for C.J. Anderson. Uh, Jeremy Hill, DeMarco Murray. Remember that was Mar- Murray's... Uh, Philadelphia. That was his Philadelphia year. Obviously, he was. That's what made him a ADP value last year. So Forte was in there. He got injured with that year when he was a bear, I believe, first time he had gotten injured. And McCoy. So just the bottle. It's it's about a fifty percent shot on the list just from the last two years, and it happens every year that it's a, you miss on these running backs. So I think that's the reason why zero RB. Is is is, it's is absolutely is has, a thing. And it has to do with the volatility of you being wrong with projections, running backs getting hurt at a higher rate than any other position in football, and also just basic replaceability of running backs. So you know, a guy like D'Angelo Williams can step into Le'Veon Bell's shoes and be a great player in his stead. So 
That that's what it all comes down to. And last year was a huge boon for the top running back. Just so you know, we sold two draft kits while I've been on this Woo. podcast. And they must have heard that promo. Must have heard that promo. One of the things. So looking back at just last year's data, like the number, the touchdown rate was the second highest for running backs that it had been since two thousand. So we're wow. looking at some TD regression to come back. Running backs scored at a high rate last year. So, you know, David Johnson was up there scoring, you know, 18 touchdowns last year. Ezekiel Elliott scored 15. These guys are all expected to come back down to earth. Uh, and, and those things, and they also stayed healthier than they have nearly at any point. And while Todd Gurley may have been a bust if you took him overall at the top of the draft, he still turned out okay if you take all expectations away and he was a you know top 12 running back uh, in leagues but you know the health striking was he oh yeah I mean right there I mean I'm looking at this is not PPR but in standard he was 20 in PPR he was much higher yeah PPR so. he had 43 catches so that obviously that that, that certainly helps him because uh, a number of those guys. So yeah, but it, at, at the end of the day, not not it doesn't matter. That's not you're not talking about Gurley. I I I agree. I agree. He's fifteenth in PPR. Okay. Uh, so just he didn't. Just, I probably destroyed your teams, but he, <laughs> the part of that was wrong was over projection for a second year player who did it on you know middle of the sort of runs in the middle of the season and then at the end of the season really slowed down and. All the offense as a whole, the yes. over the over projection there is a problem, and people will over project. And when you're at in the you know first second round of your draft, and people draft Jordan Howard, you got to think there are some similarities here. Are we over projecting? We're projecting so much more volume for Jordan Howard because he didn't start the first three or four yeah, games yeah. of the season. It's like oh now we've got to add four games to his total. Imagine how good he'll be. I saw a tweet, um, you know, it's, uh, Evan Silva's doing these uh, team profiles um, for all the teams. Um, last year you did the Know Your Staff, and it's kind of Know Your, we talk about Know Your League, and we'll go into that a bit uh, deeper in today's show, but you've only, it's a team sport. This is a team sport. You can't have uh, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, or some guy like you can in baseball come up the court and uh, own the own the ball and pitch in in in, in baseball. Uh, if, a, if a pitcher's on the mound, he can he can control a game. Uh, this is a team sport. Know that even if Todd Gurley was the best, turns out to be the best running back in the history of the game. He's on a team right now that is hamstrung by. It's point deficient. They are not going to score a lot of touchdowns. But to go into Evan Silva's uh, comments on this thing, he's like, wow, what are the most boring teams that you've written about so far? And he's like, easy, Jets and Rams. Um, so just know, and we're not talking, I don't mean to talk about Gurley so much, but it goes on to your Howard. It goes on to any of these players. If you love a player, look at what team they're on. Project how that team's going to do. What's that offensive line like? How many points are they actually going to score? How often, if it's a running back, is this team going to be in a position where they're not behind? And a running back on a bad team. 
So, you know, I don't, I like having a, a quarterback on a shitty team that's behind all the time because they're hucking it all the time. I like having a wide receiver. Think about uh, two years ago with the, the Tennessee Titans. Remember, they, had, they were putting up out, lights out. It was fantasy stats because they were down every game. It was the same thing with A-Rob's big year in the, in the Jaguars and Bortles. They, they just had to stay in. Their defense was so bad. They just had to, they had to score and pass and pass. So you were just fired up if you had Bortles, if you had Rob, if you had uh, A-Rob, if you had Hearns. Um, so just think, make sure you're not just thinking about the player. It's a team sport. Think about the team. Yeah, I mean, definitely. When we talk about projections, they have to start at the team level. And if you're not doing that, if you're project, projecting in a volume just based off of, you know, I think this guy is the wide receiver 10, wide receiver 10 scores this amount of points, uh, you know, you're doing the wrong, the process is wrong, you got to revisit that. Um, but going back to zero RB, you know, you can go four or five rounds without one. Maybe you're drafting one of the higher end tight ends. You're getting Gronk and you're getting four solid wide receivers. But a lot of this has to do with winning the flex position. So are you three wide receivers and a flex? And then and if you're PPR league, you know, look at that wide receiver for that flex position. You're still filling a starter. So the, that four wide receivers and a tight end, those are still all starters on your team on a weekly basis. So let's say you wait uh, and you go, you go zero RB. And right now, based on this year's um, ADP off of Fantasy Football Calculator, a site I like, again, it changes if you go to Fantasy Pros. It changes if you go to anything. But within the same range, based on mock drafts that people are doing currently, um, if you do wait, um, and you're, let's, say, let's say you're saying you wait till the fifth round, uh, that, or no, do you want to wait for it? Four. Just go 60 and later, player 60 and later. So... Well, I'm, I'm locked. I'm in running back. So you want me to go do all position? Okay. Yeah. So running back, sixth year leader in PPR leagues. Guys like Mike Gillisley, I'm willing yeah. to take a shot uh, at him. Love. Uh, Tevin Coleman, maybe. Depends. But then there's Mark Ingram. Love who's, Ingram. Who has fallen too. so much with, with uh, Adrian Peterson in the house. I mean, even Eddie Lacy, has, we've seen him have, you know, top five RB, top six RB type seasons. He's on a, these, these guys, if you go... And he's on a sick team to, to re... He can recreate that magic in his situation. I mean, he's in a better situation now than he was when he was doing that. Remember, Marshawn Lynch wasn't beast mode until he got to Seattle. And they rode yeah, him. Yeah. So, Eddie Lacy's got everything on the line this year. Yeah. So, if you're going zero RB, and you come out with Mike Gillisley, and then Eddie Lacy... And then you're going to go the next round. You're going to take maybe you take a little a different guy. You could go with Samaj P. Ryan, who's a question mark, or maybe you go Theo Riddick, who in PPR leagues you know he's going to be there. Can we let's go to the mock draft we did June 30th? You know now it's a little bit a little bit of time ago, but not that much news has changed. Let's look at Pyrolytics. He did zero RB. Uh, he was the fourth pick. So he went zero RB, and after we talk about this, and this is a good conversation, we can't go too long on it, but what we need to do on the flip side of zero RB is talk about which wide receivers are you thinking about maybe. Um, but Pyrolytics in our last mock, he had the fourth pick. He got Antonio Brown. In the second round, he went Michael Thomas. Third round, he got Brandon Cooks. Fourth round, I didn't like this pick. I love those first three. Uh, Keenan Allen he got. 
I think it's all right value, but Keenan Allen in the fourth round, it's good value. Not bad. Yeah, I agree. It's great value. I'm just, I'm just especially if Mike Williams, which just reported today, could need season-ending back surgery. Great point. Then we are now drawing a much different Keenan Allen picture. Great point. Great point. And that was that. That was announced. That's a great point because, and we even knew when this draft was done that he had a bulging disc and a back issue, but. Okay, so he did those four uh, wide receivers. This is a zero RB approach by Pyrolytics, our main chart uh, guy. Uh, good. I thought I was your main chart guy. Nah, you're our main everything guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's he's a folk. He's got a focus talent. You're a jack of all trades. Um, he ended up in the fifth round. His first running back was Amir Abdullah. You know, I like it. Gillisley in the sixth round. This is where I took a Corey Davis. Because I, I thought I needed a wide receiver, a third wide receiver more. I should have taken Gillisley there. That was my biggest regret of the draft. He took Gillisley right one pick later than I was going to take him, and I thought he might come back. Gillisley. Then he gets Kareem Hunt. Not so high on him, to be honest. I feel like. It I, seems like it's a little high to select him, but. It, it, he has the upside, if so be it, if where something happens to him in that offense and an Andy Reid. Uh, you know, whoever's running the ball in that situation is in a good spot, so who knows. And then he gets Matt Forte, then he went tight end, and then he grabs three more uh, running backs James White, Joe, and this is PPR, Joe Williams, and then he goes to Vontae Berker. So basically the first four picks are wide receivers, and then seven of his next eight picks are running backs. <laughs> I mean, it's a little overboard. It's crazy. I mean, I'm, little, not, I'm not seven, even laughing seven, at it. Seven of eight people, is a lot. A lot of people thought his team looked the best at the end. When we were asking over social media, whose team you like that, Linux got some love. Yeah. I mean, it, it is an interesting way to go about it. Uh, you know, when you if you're starting that flex position and, you know, we've got – Keenan Allen as a starter versus being on the bench, it, it looks a lot better. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that. And then maybe your guy, or who was my third running back your, on this draft? Your third running back was uh, Frank Gore. So Frank Gore would be my flex versus Keenan Allen. I'm choosing Keenan Allen as my flex over Frank Gore every single time. Yeah. But uh, that that's a lot of it's going to matter about roster construction, about league scoring. And that's just our general thoughts on zero running back. Like, you can do it. You just have to be you know, smart and diligent in your approach. And when you're doing it, you're also planning to run to the waiver wire for RBs. And that's what everybody runs the waiver wire for. And that's one of the downfalls. Quick, I think Linux, he should have tweaked it a little bit. I think he got three. And, you just but didn't, didn't like his players. Well, and I don't like some of his players. But here's, here's, the, here's the caveat of what happens. When you get to round, he basically, at round 13, he had his tight end, Delaney Walker, who I think's whatever. I, I'm drafting higher on tight ends. And he had seven running backs. That's fine. And he had the sickest wide receiver uh, for some out there. But who's his starting and only quarterback? Carson Wentz. Well, he's got a thing for Carson <laughs> he Wentz. He does. He's done that multiple times. He does. He didn't have to do that. I, mean, I agree. I agree. I, I'm just saying, and then let's go to one other quickly. And I'm sorry not to make, I don't want to make too much of this draft about uh, this mock, but uh, Waz, our boy, did the same thing. First pick, Mike Evans. Jordy Nelson, Allen, A-Rob. So he went three wide receivers with his first pick. Then in the fourth round, he got Isaiah Crowell. Fifth round, he got Tevin Coleman. He went with the workman, Willie Sneed, in the sixth round. Then he got Bill L. Powell. So there you go. That's a guy that went three wide receivers like that a lot more than four. And he's, he's sitting there in his first um, seven rounds 
He's coming away with three running backs that are Isaiah Crowell. Do I like him as my RB1? No, but I think he's good. And do I like uh, Tevin Coleman as my RB2? No, but I think he's good. And then uh, he's got Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell probably starts over both of them. I kind of agree. <laughs> I kind of agree. Um, so, cool. Anything else? I mean, should we talk about the flip side? The, of- the only thing with zero RB is, like, if you're doing it in PPR leagues, you have to balance the upside running backs with the floor players, like Theo Riddick, the guy, the James Whites, the guys who catch passes. Because your roster's thin at the running back position. Until you get reinforcements sometimes, you're going to need some scoring. And you can do that by balancing it with pass-catching running backs. Guys you can get a little later, like the James White, CJ Procise, um, you know, some other, you know, maybe even J- Jamal Charles is a pass-catching compliment. But these kind of pass-catchers will provide you a nice floor of scoring if you need it. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, move on to the next one. You want to move on to the next one? Is Okay, before we do so, um, do us a favor. You know, listen to a couple of these ads by our sponsors. Holla for a dollar. Thank you very much. Um, we are going to keep moving on. And some one of the things that I kind of want to, that's worth talking about for future uh, rounds is when you do zero RB, what wide receiver action happens. And obviously... The reason why we're not going to talk about that right now is because it's pretty good. If you're going to get wide receiver, wide receiver in your first three rounds, odds are you're going to be walking away with the best wide receiver uh, crew in your draft. Especially if pick four, it's, yeah, like pick three or four now, you're going to be able to get some wide receivers because you know you know the top three running backs are probably coming off the board, one, two, three, depending on Ezekiel Elliott's little situation yeah. that he seems to be getting himself in. But if you can get one of the top three wide receivers and then on the back you can get two more it looks real good for your wide receiver situation after that so draft slot matters a lot in these things and that's why when we talk about fluidity it matters because if I'm picking at the first three slots you know assuming Zeke's 16 games I'm taking one of the top three running backs just because they can score so many points they give you consistent weekly production I know in PPR leagues I'm going to get you know, 15, 16 points out of these guys on a weekly basis. That's a huge set you know, up happening at the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of your games and beginning of your weeks with those uh, running backs. Then after that, you, know, you can be adaptable. The next three to five picks in typical drafts are typically wide receivers. You'll see the Julio, uh, Antonio, and Odell's come off the board. Then you might see A.J. Green or Mike Evans come off the board right after them. So now we're at eight players. So sometimes the Sean McCoy or Melvin Gordon will slide themselves in there at the back of the first round. Ajay seems to be moving up. Ajay's right there. So you just know that from your draft slot, you know which way you can go and which ways you can make it happen. So at the back end, at the turn, at the 12 slot, 12-13 in the 12-man lead, you can go double wide receiver and end up with two, you know, top two tier players. Yeah. To the tier two players most likely. You get two top two tier players and then go a different way. Or you can go on the flip side and maybe get a Melvin Gordon and JJ and then load up at wide receiver a little later. It's so drive slot matters a little bit and you can play with it. 
to where if I go two running backs early, hey, I'm probably smashing draft button on five wide receivers uh, in the next couple rounds. Well, I think that's why do mocks. Go to these mock, mock sites, do mock drafts uh, in, in, under the league pretense of teams and under the rule pretense that you're doing, and do mocks that are real-world mocks, not just like a mock against the computer, but join mocks where you're playing against real people. And it's, it is tiers plus mocks and, and, and getting started now and doing it uh, prolifically and redundantly is the best preparational tool for you to figure out, oh, I'm at the end of the draft as Stag starting. What, what strategy is working best for me? Oh, I love that team. I did this, so wow, if I get in my real draft, if I'm in that 10 pick, I loved what I did in that 10 pick in this mock under our situation, do that. Then you're sitting there and you get your dress rehearsal and you're not sitting there day one when you're actually on the clock. It's like the first time you've ever done it because at the end, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's muscle memory and it's uh, preparation. Along the lines with that, we're talking about fluidity right now. So if you know what your first couple picks are going to be, you know what you can sort of do through the rest of the draft. But being adaptable and being fluid is always going to change with the selections right in front of you, with the selections right behind you. you got to know. you got to make your changes on the go. So if somehow you know there was a run on running backs in the first round and there's five of them off the board, maybe even seven of them off the board, along with the top five wide receivers, hey, now's the time to hit these wide receivers hard. And now I'm going to change up to what I'm doing through the rest of the draft in order to get the most balanced team but also have the most scoring upside. Well, you know who said it best, and he's sorely missed, one of the most talented, smart, um, incredible people and actors and, and just uh, uh, just people of all, human beings of all time. Bruce Lee said, be like water. His mantra in life was be like water. And that's fluidity. And that is when something, when something is thrown at water, water is adaptable to move. If you throw a football through a waterfall, all of a sudden that waterfall, as the ball's going through it, has a hole in it and it's wrapped around it. So be like water, be fluid. And I think I love what you're saying there, Stags. It's, if you... If something happens in the draft that's unforeseen, and this is one of the lines that I like to say a lot, is if people are running, I like to walk. If people are walking, I like to run. Be like water. Be fluid. And be smart. And be ready. Be ready to adjust. If you thought something was going to happen and it's not happening, and you keep going with what was happening as your approach, you're going. You're going down the wrong. You're going down the wrong path. So. Adjust and be fluid and have uh, enough mocks and enough exercise beforehand so that you're ready for whatever's thrown at you. You know what looks absolutely disgusting? Have you seen previews for the Bruce Lee movie? No. Oh, my God. They're doing a movie about Bruce Lee before you know he became an actor in one of his most famous kung fu fights where he fights a monk. Thing looks absolutely insane, incredible! Wow. I can't wait to see this. So this is this is like a, a a fictional, like somebody's playing Bruce Lee. Yes. Oh my god, hey, Bruce Lee is some. You watch some they, of the I old. Think it might be called Enter the Dragon. Sure. Watch one if you haven't watched Bruce Lee's movies. Do so, but watch. Oh, there's a lot of old interviews from the '60s and '70s with him, like uh, Dick Cavett and other like. Oh, there's a lot of. They used to have a lot of talk shows that are like Charlie Rose esque. Back in those times, and birth watch, of the dragon. Birth of the dragon. That's sick. 
Watch some of these uh, these interviews with this guy. This guy is a genius. He was so smart. He all he used to train um, Steve McQueen. He tr- uh, he trained uh, God Corbin. Uh, what's that guy's name? He trained all the biggest actors that were ha- in all these uh, action movies. He was the one who would train them. He had literally a gym in L.A. when he was one of the biggest stars in the world. This he was the biggest. Martial arts star in the world, and he literally had a dojo in L.A. that he would train like guys like Steve McQueen, and they, he would sit there. He's just such a badass. I'll, I'll check out that uh, that trailer. So let's let's talk about anything else to go about fluidity. I think fluidity is just God. If you can do fluidity, in my opinion, is all of the approaches that we're talking about tonight are in your arsenal. Every single thing that me and Stag Party are going through as a strategy, as an approach for fantasy football in 2017, every single one of these is a quiver, uh, is an arrow in your quiver. And if you do that and you can show that fluidity, you how could you not? <laughs> if you can, if you can, it's like an MMA MMA fighter that's built like a shit tank, can fight uh, and grapple, but is a boxer, is every is knows how to do the chokeholds, knows how, it's like if you if you're a badass at every single um, you know, if you're basically a Swiss army knife and you can do everything, which is uh, what fluidity of all these different rule sets be, you are probably gonna win your league. Um, let's go on to I don't think we covered this, but quickly, tell me about modified zero RB. So modified zero RB has a lot to do with getting one sort of stud running back. So if you're drafting at the end of the first round, getting a guy like LaShawn McCoy, Melvin, and then building a base of three to four wide receivers from there. You know, and and going a little and maybe it means getting that one and then going five wide receivers. Or going four wide receivers in a tight end. And building it that way rather than just going zero. So it's getting one strength, but then you're sort of going to use that streaming RB2, you know, replaceability factor in your arsenal as well. If you're at the beginning of the draft in an 8, 10, 12, 14-man league, and you got one of those top three picks, again, let's just assume Ezekiel Elliott is playing all 16 or only misses one. Even if he misses one game, I still think he's the number three pick. And that's... Yes, I, I, do, I, do, I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, but if you're if you're in one of those top three slots in your draft, this modified zero RB might be just the cat's meow for you because then you can grab that great topish uh, top three uh, running back, and then you're laying down the law and going deep on either the tight end or the wide receiver. And we, we showed you, if you can get Gillisley in the fifth or sixth round and some of these other guys, Lacey in the fifth or sixth round, then that means you're going to be able to still come back around after grabbing three tight end, let's say three wide receivers after you grab David Johnson, Elliott, or Bell, and you're going to be able then you grab the best wide receivers, the next three picks, you're still, your RB2, in my opinion, is going to be dope. You agree yeah. with that? Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. Um, there's not much with zero RB after talking about you know how you're going to take your one shot at, at getting one of the high scoring RBs, and if you fail at that, you've only wasted one pick. But now, you know you're not wasting multiple picks like the three RB approach that was possible, you know, possible or five RBs to make sure you had 
you know, back up at the position, and then you will worry about the others later um, because running backs are going to get injured. I remember when we did a pyro league two years ago, and uh, Solid Nine, our boy, Duncan Wolf, I remember he had like five or six amazing running backs. Like his depth at running back was ridiculous. But his wide the rest of his team wasn't all that. And we made him an we made him an offer. Adrian Peterson was on his bench, and we made him an offer to try and grab like, dude, we got and we had like a bevy of, of, of wide receivers when we tried to make trade, and he turned us down. And I remember just thinking like, if you have all this talent, but you're you're so hamstrung in another position, it feels dumb. So maybe, bench points aren't good. <laughs> they're not good. They're not good. And regular leads. You know, and it's, it, it, this, it'd be different if I was doing this trade in week three, but this was like week 11. Yes. You know, this was like deeper in the league. If you're in week three and you're like, you know what, I'm going to hold on to these guys because this is a volatile position, and I'm going to hold on to these guys while you like, all my running backs are going down. I've got that, I've got that depth. Amen. But I just remember it was later on in the season. He needed, he was, he had a good record. We had a good record. He had a need. We had a need. I thought we were going to get into bed together. It's like, eh. And we offered him something good too. But, I like that. I like that call. He said, tastes so good when it touches the lip. I like your call. Bench points sucks to suck with bench points. So let's move on to the next one. Three wide receivers, first three picks, and then you can go RBs. This is sort of the modified zero wide receiver. Zero wide receiver, you might go a little bit deep. Uh, you might go a little bit deeper with your wide receivers. You might go four straight, but three is you know a good start. So this is going to depend on league format where you're selecting in the draft. There's not a lot of downsides with it. You could have, I guess, the blow up where. You know, Jordy blows his ACL out early in the season, or you end up with another Keenan Allen. But overall, this one doesn't take much explaining. Um, wide receivers in PPR leagues, they've got big upside. Um, I, I don't know if I'd do this in a standard league. I think I'd look for one of the running backs, but that's just me. Uh, there's the, the, Explaining this one doesn't really take anything. It's just... Take, take some wide receivers early. Play the opposite sort of card. If people are going to go heavy RBs, you can go your heavy wide receivers uh, in the first three picks, and you can do that. Uh, the flip side of this is zero wide receiver. So drafting three straight running backs or drafting three running backs and a tight end in your first four picks and then getting to those wide receivers. So we can sort of play the flip side argument Talk about the you know wide receivers with ADPs of sixty or after in PPR leagues, I, I, and you'll like them. I've never liked the three running back in a row, and there's a guy in my oldest league that's literally done it almost every year for the last twenty five years. He every time there's talent, and you sit there, and he's got, he goes running back, running back, running back. And now a caveat I'll say is if you're in a league with a flex. And know your league, know your rules, then it, it makes a little more sense. But if you can only start two running backs and you're going with three running backs in your first three picks, I just don't like that. Because I sit I'm sitting there and I'm looking at your tight end, I'm looking at your wide receivers, and probably your quarterback. And yeah, you got an awesome running running back situation, but 
this is not, if you can only play two of those three guys, what, what, what's, what's the point? So on the flip side, one of the other things with zero running back, like the reason why it works, think about it like, okay, you've got three running backs that are all great, but you can only start two. What happens when you face an injury? Your top running back gets hurt. Now you can slot in that RB3 into your RB2 slot and your RB2 into your RB1 slot. But now you're close to being as good as you were. But that makes my team better because it's not my guy getting injured. It's your guy getting injured. I can now go out on the waiver wire to pick up his back. Uh, I can do all those things. So that's another point for the zero RB and why it works. There's lots of different determining factors that help. But let's just play the... Uh, you know, I drafted a bunch of early running backs. I've got three running backs. I got a tight end, and here comes the fifth round. What kind of wide receivers am I looking at now? Let's talk about how much you like. So, guys with ADPs of fifty or higher. Are you on uh, calculator? Yeah. Or are you? Okay. Yep. In PPR leagues, guys with ADPs of fifty or higher. And this, I'm actually going to wide receiver or all. Uh, wide receiver. Okay, I'm there. Or I'm at all. Excuse me. Okay, you're at all, and we're doing standards, so right. I'm doing PPR okay, just because we're talking. No, about I these be strategy, these strategies are a lot more applicable in PPR league cool. when you're when you're playing with the wide receiver. I'm, so I'm with you. I'm, I'm there. Twelve Sta- standard. Basically, it's going to lean towards the running back. It always is. Like touchdowns are king. We know the most likely player to score a touchdown is a goddamn running back. But they're so, standard with high with high. Um, uh, with high yardage bonuses and whatever. But, yeah, sure. But yeah, I hear you. Um, so guys, where wide receivers with you know in the fifth round. So yeah. who are you looking at? You're looking at Golden Tate. Golden Tate was a wide receiver one from weeks nine through the end of the season. He was a top you know twelve wide receiver after that sort of rough patch got worked out. And, and who after after remember how hot Marvin started mm-hmm. and then Tate was like fuck this. And Marvin fell off the map, and you know Stafford every year is going to be hawking it and chucking it and be clo- getting close to uh, getting over 4,000 yards. And let's, I'm him, and I'll let you go back to your thing. Take contract year. He's looking at Edelman. He's, uh, not Edelman. He's looking at some of these other guys. Edelman just got an extension. He's looking at other players like, where's my money? He's going to get it. So I think the Lions are smart enough to incentivize them, like, put it up. Put up the big numbers. Tate, one of my favorites. Go on. Sorry to interrupt. I just said that. I'm a Tate guy right now. Yeah, especially if he's your wide receiver one in PPR. You're not too bad. You'll just have to take one of those higher variance players to go along with his weekly sort of floor. So another guy who's got that, you know, uh, good weekly production is Julian Edelman. We're not sure about his overall targets with Brandon Cooks in town. But we've seen that Tom Brady loves this guy. Larry Fitzgerald, the league leader in receptions last year in a PPR league, you know, there for you. Jamison Crowder, a guy who they're saying could approach 90 to 100 receptions. Willie Sneed, who is probably... I feel like Crowder's going to keep creeping up. Yeah, that's and fine. T- and Tate, potentially, but Crowder's, Crowder's kind of a cream of the crop. People are, people are enjoying that guy now, and if, as long as, uh, it, as long as, uh, Kurt, as long as Kurt Cousins, what an idiot, that, uh, that, that fucking president, he doesn't even know the name of his, uh, Oh, he knows, he was just fucking he, slandering him. He was slandering him. Oh, then, yeah. I, I think, then he got traded, I think he'll be on the 49ers, literally by the start of the season. If that happens, Crowder, Trubs. But, um, yeah, I, I love a Crowder. He can move up. Go on. Willie Sneed. Love Willie Sneed. 
Brandon Marshall is a guy who basically has never had lower than 18% target share in his career. If he can maintain that in you know, New York and he gets the 100, 105 targets that Sterling Shepard had, then you could be in for a good time because Marshall could score touchdowns. Marshall always is. One All, year. One year. But he's one year. He's also always kind of – he's always – his ADP is always lit lower than it should be because people think he's a head case, which he is. People think he's a shit bag, which he probably is. But he's always goes lower. I remember every year that I, he's ever had a big year and I drafted him, I was always like, I don't like the guy. Even when he was a bear, I'm like, but now look, I've got one league that I've got a partner with. It's like the eighth round, and he's still there. I got him in our mock in the seventh round. Um, we're talking about fifth round guys right now in our mock in the 12, man. I got him in the set, middle of the seventh. I, but when you're just looking, you're like, he's still here. It's like, we just got to look at he's, he's the highest on our shoes. I hate this guy as a person. Um, I don't really, but <laughs> he's, he, but I got to take him. It just seems like he falls the way Welker used to fall, the way Tate falls, the way Edelman doesn't anymore. Edelman's a big-time, world-renowned star, but Edelman used to fall. Larry Fitzgerald falls. All these guys seem to be in that fall zone, so in all honesty, probably, I know this is where the ADP is, but I think other than an Edelman maybe in a Crowder and a Tate, I could see Fitzgerald falling lower because of age. Sneed because of namesake and people just don't. And Marshall, I, I I feel like they're going to be even lower in this draft. Be, be available lower in this. Your yeah. next guy is the guy you love. Uh, next guy, i got Stephon Diggs. I mean, in PPR, he's another guy who can catch 90, maybe to 100 passes. Kelvin Benjamin, until proven wrong, he's the number one for a team that we know likes to attack deep. Uh, Dante Moncrief, I wouldn't touch with the 10-foot pole, and he's his ADP. But Emmanuel Sanders, Pierre Garçon, and Jeremy Macklin are next. Those well, I one question, and maybe we've talked about this, and this is quickly, um, and I know this is in the strategy, this is just, you know, pontificating. You love a luck. I know we both love T.Y. You don't want Dante Moncrief here because he's touchdown dependent. But is that 73rd pick in the seventh round? You hate that? Yes. Okay. I hate Especially in the PPR league. What's he going to do? Maybe catch 50, 60 passes? Okay. Like, I, I hate it. Like, he, he, may, he maybe has does, – he doesn't have a 1,000-yard upside in my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, He's touchdown dependent, and that's it. I don't want him anywhere near a PPR team. Okay. Uh, next guy you love, I know he's basically probably going to no, every team. We've hit, we've hit all the rest of these guys. So if you could leave the first three rounds with sort of a combination of these players, say you've got Devonta Freeman, Jay Ajayi, uh, then you picked up uh, Lamar Miller in the third, and your fourth-round pick was Jordan Reed. And then in the fifth, you went – Oh, let's, let's call it Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, the sixth, you went Stephon Diggs. In the seventh, you went Emmanuel Sanders. In the eighth, you went Pierre Garçon. You're going to have a pretty sexy team. <laughs> it's just all about hammering the position and striking when the iron's hot. You also got to get guys to fall to you. I mean, at some point, you know, this strategy works in some ways because you know people are going to be loading up on wide receivers. Yeah. And then you know that you have a bunch of of wide receiver two threes that you like. So I, I sort of did this modified approach in our mock. The reason I like it is because in my ranks, wide receivers 18 to like 34, 35, what, what's the difference? There, there's not much of a difference to me. Some guys have more reception potential. 
Some guys have more touchdown potential. Some guys have more of that weekly upside. And some guys have more of that safe floor. But they're all the same in season-long projections. If I can get four or five of them and play matchups and do the things that I want to do during the season anyways, that feels like I'm going to get the best roster, it, it, it can work. Yeah. Well, to, to, to the end that you just spoke of, uh, let's just quickly back this up. Um, based on last year's final scoring, um, number 35 wide receiver was DeAndre Hopkins um, at 119 uh, points. Uh, and this is standard, so just uh, imagine the, the, it's PPR. Uh, so that's 119 and 35. Uh, uh, number 10 is 148. So 28 points. So 28 points, 25 wide receivers. Yep. And it, it, it doesn't, I, I can go right now to. What's wide receiver I'll, 18? I'll do PPR right now. What's wide receiver 18? PPR right now, let's go to that 35 threshold. Willie Sneed had 185. And let's go to 10. Larry, uh, it, it's, it's a lot different. 185, Larry Fitzgerald, the two was at 10 with 244. What about 18? 18, 216. So 216 to 185, you know, a point and a half, two points of difference? Yeah. Uh, I can make that up with these running backs if I can start all three. Yeah. Now, that, that's one way to do it. So I think we can move on to the yeah, next so strategy. If you've got, fle- you got flex in that running back, it's great. Let's go on to the next strategy, but before we do that, have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. All right. Uh, thank you. Next strategy that we're going to talk about here is going to be, it's not really a strategy. Let's, let's just do the next two points are going to be a little, are just going to be some pointers. Uh, Hit gonna, pointers? Yeah. We're, no, hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> we're not going pit here. <laughs> Um, we're going to do two. I'm just going to kind of let – we'll have a little quick discussion here. Uh, Dynasty League pointers and auction point, auction league pointers. Um, so these aren't necessarily like overarching strategies, but I guess they are. I guess they are strategies for if you're in Dynasty and then auction. Let's start with the di- Dynasty. Um, you got anything? So you, if we're talking people? about startup drafts, I like to balance age with production. So – Guys that are lower on the age curve aren't going to have as much production. So I might have a couple of the Corey Coleman, Dante Moncrief, unproven types. But then I'm also going to balance that with guys that are proven producers in their 30s. The Larry Fitzgeralds, the Pierre Garçons. Uh, you know, these type of guys beyond the studs. Because we know the studs are young and they're Odell Beckham and Mike Evans and we know all the young players in the league right now that are really shining, and that's great early. You want one of those. After that, balancing age and production, and you can also do that at quarterback. Everybody wants Marcus Mariota on their dynasty team, but you uh, much cheaper. You can acquire a guy like Philip Rivers, who's you know what you're going to get from every year, yeah. and you can do that for you know a couple picks in your draft. Or you know, one of your unproven assets and a pick, and you now have a proven producer. You know, I'm going for it every year unless it's just a crap team that I have to rebuild from the ground up. Then I'm going to acquire all the picks I can. But before the picks actually come in the draft, I'm going to trade those picks for proven producers. 
So instead of, unless there's the locked in top guys. Yeah. Like this is a year, say I had one one in the draft, am I gonna you know, go on a Leonard Fournette or a Christian McCaffrey or a Corey Davis? I, I could do that. Or I could flip it and get more proven talent who more ready to produce my team and great. And I'm also gonna not draft QBs or tight ends in my draft unless it's very, very late in my rookie drafts. So in the third or fourth round, maybe I'll take a stab at one if he looks like he's a year or two away from starting. Or maybe even this year, like a Patrick Mahomes type of player. So I, I just like to balance a lot of things with age and current production. When it comes to dynasty and quarterbacks, I, I agree with what you just said there where you wait a little later. But what if it's in one of those seasons where you do have a one or two pick and it is an Andrew Luck season? It is a Peyton Manning season. It is a, it's, a, it's a consensus, this is a, a once in a, in a decade type of quarterback that is just going to have a 10 to 15 year career. Is that you still feel the same way? I, even I, on those I, big, I, I know we haven't had that so much in the last few years. I mean, last year, let, you know, Goffer Wentz. I don't know. No. I, mean, I would spend year, a first no. round rookie draft pick on a quarterback pretty much ever. Even, even the year the walk came out. Even, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that was just playing devil's advocate. Just wondering if, if you have it when one of those big ones come out. Are rookie you quarterbacks, they aren't great producers. And but we're talking dynasty. But we're talking dynasty. I know. But, uh, you know, the, you know I want the guy who's going to produce for me today, and okay. I will find another one who will pr- produce for me next year. Tomorrow. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's I, I, that's interesting. I, I I think, and I'm not a big dynasty guy, but um, I would be in your shoes and agree with you wholeheartedly. On, except for if I have the number one, and it's like that year where it's just this guy is going to have. There's just no. Late round quarterback still comes into play in Dynasty. So you would trade you would trade up if you had a number one pick, let's say in 2012 uh, fantasy draft in a Dynasty, and Luck was just you would you would trade that. And the funny part is, is it was Luck or uh, RG three. Look where RG three is. Um, you would trade that and do a Belichick and accumulate a shitload of picks. I would take Brandon picks. Cooks for my first round pick any day of the week. Wow. Like. It's just smart. We we know what these guys are at the NFL level. If they have a 50-50 chance of succeeding, you know, through my rookie draft and being a top 12 performer, top 24 performer at the wide receiver position, I'm much more likely to trade that for a guy who I know is one. That, okay. That's just me. Cool. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Any other uh, dynasty kind of uh, pointers or anything? I need more specific questions. More specific. So maybe we'll do a mailbag show here eventually and get some questions answered for you, boys. Cool. If you're mailing us in any bags, um, feel free to put some nugs in them. Uh, we'll move on to the next one, which is auction pointers. Okay, stag party. What are some um, auction auction pointers that you like and I'll, I'll I'll remember some of them that Houdini likes to do with his auctions but uh, hit us up with some of the things when you're in an auction draft that you like to do I like to have my tiers set up for an auction as well because we've got you know how many top tier running backs and receivers we've got six so if I decide I want one of these top six and I don't care about positional value I'm going to look at all these players in sort of the same stratosphere. So, you know, early in the draft, maybe I'll throw out Le'Veon Bell's name. 
Le'Veon Bell will go for 60 of the 200 budget dollars that we're playing with to make numbers nice and even in our heads. Um, so maybe he'll go for 60. And then, you know, David Johnson will go, and he'll go for 64. And then Ezekiel Elliott, and he'll go for 60, uh, and he'll go for 58. And, and then the wide receivers start to go, you know, Odell Beckham goes for, you know, 47. Who Antonio goes for 55. Julio Jones is the last guy left. Now I'm going to, you know, jump on him. I know that I have to spend between 47 and $64. I've got the range that I won't exceed or go below and probably get him. I'm going to start lower, of course, and try to get him for cheap. But I know Julio's the guy I'm going to go for. I'm really going to pay that amount. I know the true value, and I can do that in any tier. So now when we're talking about, you know, receivers between 18 and 38 that I consider to be very close to the same in scoring, I can do that in value hunt. Now I can sort of... I've got a tier of 21 to 28 in my ranks, right? So now I'm going to value hunt here. How am I going to do that? Uh, I'm going to call up a couple of these guys' names. I'm going to see what they go for, maybe try to pick them up on the cheap. If I can get them for $18 to $24, then I know the range. But I'm eventually going to have a good tier range value. Use that value to you know, create a do not exceed number because... I'll just take the next one. Do you think one thing I want to mention in our draft kit, uh, again, version two just came out yesterday. We have a tab uh, that's the top 200 tab, and our boy, the heartbeat, has um, come up with on that one, the top 200, we actually have an auction value um, and a range, actually. Uh, uh, it's basically a, 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 the first number is kind of the average, and then or the, the main main uh, range for the auction and then we've got a little bit of a range I don't even know what some of this stuff what's the mean? I don't even do know do not exceed do not exceed range sorry uh, so check out in that draft kit uh, use that there is a tab where if you're in the auctions it's perfect it's got 200 players in a row the top 200 along with um, your auction values so that's very helpful for people in that league question I got for you is something that Houdini always said he always liked to at the beginning throw out big name guys that he wasn't interested in so that that would eat up money uh, from other teams in the league he, that was kind of a strategy he's been like you know what this guy's awesome he's going to command a top 10 amount of dollar amount but I don't want anything to do with them so I'm going to throw that number out early in the draft and let's siphon some money from someone because all that's going to do is allow me to use lesser money on a player that I like as much later on yeah I mean I just sort of talked about how I can do that so maybe the first guy I throw out in my tier range Maybe it's the guy I like the least. I don't necessarily want him. I can see other people bidding on him, yeah. and people will bid on him, and then I have range for other players in that tier, and it's sort of using that to spend other people's money, but also I get a value on players in a similar tier in my mind. Absolutely. It, I mean, and also, what's an, an absolutely. Another strategy, it can bite you in the ass, but is do you ever drive up a bid? Do you ever say, yeah, I want this guy for that much money, even if it's a, even if it's at a high threshold, just to have someone else spend more of their money? Or are you scared you're going to get stuck with them? Depends on the player and the time and the read and how much money he has how much money I have. 
Because yeah. I'm not going to sacrifice my team and my budget just to drive just, someone yeah, up. Yeah, just to drive I mean, up. that's when you really get stuck with somebody. But, as I said, if I know I've got a guy in that range and I know I don't want him and I know that this guy is a little bit below the value that everybody else in that tier is gone, I'm going to hit it one more time. Yeah. Hit me, baby, Hit one more time. Hit uh, Any other uh, pointers we got for auction? I'd, I'd still probably go cheap at quarterback. You know, get a, get the $5 to $10 range types rather than paying up for one of the top ones. Replacement value just isn't as great the position. I'm more likely to spend my money at, at running back and receiver. But, you know, maybe early in the draft I'll find that guy, like, if – it's a hot button topic, and I like him. But it's more of the sleeper type. I might throw out my sleeper a little bit earlier too. Just hey, I've been naming players I don't really like, but now I'm gonna throw out Eric Ebron with a couple dollar bid, and people might be like, ooh, Eric Ebron. It's like no other tight ends have been bid on. I'm not gonna bid on Ebron. It's like all right, I well, like that. <laughs> that's 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 a great that's a great call. That's good advice. Well, let me look at this. You got. Tom Brady, in, as far as we go, twenty-seven bucks. Um, Luck, twenty-seven. Drew Brees, twenty-seven. Based on this tab uh, that I'm talking about in the draft kit, so you're spending twenty-seven bucks, which is isn't isn't uh, you know uh, atrocious when you're looking at um, uh, where's uh, Rogers? Excuse me, Rogers is going at forty-four. Uh, but in the numbers you're talking about, you're talking a little bit more in the. Uh, you know, QB ten zone, or even low. Yeah, two QB ten with a Winston, or you're even going lower with a Roethlisberger. It's only going to cost you eight bucks. Or are you going even into the five and six zones? I mean, I'd probably with go with the eight to ten. Okay. I mean, I'm good getting away with Ty God as my starting quarterback. I, I like. I would tear out my players. Who's my last quarterback that I'd have as my starter? You know, and then sort of create tier breaks above that. And then, then you know exactly that dollar amount you want to spend. Yeah, I'm okay. all about creating value in the room. So I right. want to know the read on the room for similar type of players. So cool. whatever I can do to get that, I'm going to do. Sounds like me at a strip club. This is I'm going to start thinking of auction drafts for Can't me. Can't be strip clubs right now. I, I you're about you're off, fresh off one or fresh, fresh into one. Fresh off one <laughs> or two. I read the room. I read the room at a strip club I'm like. Who is the hottest one, but no one's giving any love to? But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she might not be the hottest yeah. one, but it'll do. <laughs> it'll do, big. It'll do. <laughs> my dumbass, my dumbass seems to like go up belly up to the bar, and I fall in love with the waitresses and the bartenders at these places. I have to wear these skimpy outfits too, but I just always fall in love with them. And I'm sitting there and I'm drinking at the bar, and it never turns into anything. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on to the next topic, uh, and this is something I'm not going to be able to add much to. This is th- three in a row because I'm not really a dynasty guy at all. I'm not an auction guy at all, and in all honesty, I'm not an MFL 10 guy either. This is why Stag Party is our jack of all trades. He's a manimal across every single fantasy football approach. Uh, how many M- MFL 10s are you in right now? Have you done so far? 18, maybe. Are you going to keep going? or are you? Yeah, I got some dollars left to <laughs> deal with. 18. Who's your... Who, just before you go into some of your approaches and habits, 
um, and some strategy in, in the MFL 10s that you're doing for 2017. Who's the guy you're finding uh, a lot of shares across uh, your teams? I think I wrote a couple pieces on it that you can find on the website. I've okay. got some overvalued. I've got some overvalued, and I've got some undervalued guys like Martavis. I'm willing to jump on, and I was willing to jump on before he was even unsuspended. So that and I got him on a lot of rosters at discounts. Pretty exciting, just to go on right now. If you go to the well, while we're recording this. Front page, lead article, and football section of Fantasy Pros right now is must-haves in um, uh, fantasy football. This is an MFL 10 related, but um, and we picked Martavis Bryant. Uh, these are guys that you think uh, you just must have after the initial main dudes uh, in that 35 and below zone. So thank you, Fantasy Pros, for having Pyromaniac on us. Uh, Stag Party did a nice little write-up for it, so it's it's always good when our uh, when we're asked to do things with Fantasy Pros and other great sites out there. And uh, Martinez Bryant was our our choice for a guy. Yeah, uh, some other guys I'm ending up with a lot of are Ty Montgomery, Eric Ebron. I'm also willing to go for Greg Olson because um, he seems to be the most reasonably priced top tier sort of tight end right I now. I agree with that. Um, uh, other guys. That Why is that? Age? It's just age, or it's too much talent. Age, now? new t- new weapons in the passing game. You know, it's hard to know exactly how things are going to shake out when you add multiple, multiple new pieces. Uh, but also, you know, he's getting in contract disputes with former GM Dave Gettleman, and now they think he's going to be in town for a long time after they got rid of him because apparently he's a little bit of a Hard-ass fire starter, so. Really? Yeah. And didn't they just bring it, the, the GM that was the GM before? <laughs> they just they just hired uh, the GM, was the guy that was the GM before the dude they fired. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You, you back. We like you better than we like the, our more, most recent guy. I, I don't know his name. I'm spacing his name. Gandry or something. Interesting. Um, also, along the lines with that, so just basic MFL 10 strategy, it's a lot going to depend on, you know, the shape of the roster and how you want to do it. I usually sketch it out, so I'm going to go two to three quarterbacks, you know, two to three defenses, two to three tight ends, so that's six to nine positions. The rest are going to be running backs and wide receivers. Um, depending on how highly I draft my quarterbacks is going to depend on if I draft two or three. Sort of the same thing with kicker or with defense and tight end. If I get one of the higher tight ends and I get one maybe in the 10th or 11th round that I think has upside, then I'm not going to add a third one. So it all depends on what I've already added to my roster before. And it's all about that fluidity that we talked about. But in MFL 10s, I'm really likely, if I'm at the end of the draft, to go with two running backs, smash draft on five wide receivers, fill out some running backs later, add the tight end and the kicker, or add the tight end and the quarterbacks in the middle rounds, all, all those sort of things. But it's all about being fluid, you know, adapting, knowing the roster constructions that work. So you're not going to go in with ideally one QB. preconceived notion. You're not going to go in with one preconceived notion. You're not going to go in with targets at specific rounds. And you're going to let it go to you. But it's interesting because the best ball approach allows you to add you know, some of those four guys 
with some of those boom guys, and you'll always get the boom games and not many of the bus games, because hopefully those four guys will cover for you during those weeks. Um, and using that sort of boom bust slash floor approach will give you a nice base uh, for scoring on a weekly basis, and hopefully, you know, have you in the week in, in the one spot at the end of the season. NFL has added like 50-50 leagues, they call 2X leagues. So now the top five teams out of 12, you know, if you are in the top five, then you can still win your sort of your money back plus, you know, another 10. That's also an interesting approach. You could probably run a little bit different strategy there. You might not have to go with as many of the boom guys. I still probably uh, would, would. It's it's still part of my game in a little bit. I'm a risk taker in the boom guy department. Question I've got with the NFL 10. So you're in 18. You're going to do more. You got more cash for them. How on a rate on a on a week to week basis? And this isn't strategy. This is just more management. I know it's just a basketball league, but how often are you checking in on how your teams are doing in each of your little – you, you basically just kind of in the back of your head and know what, how you're doing in certain zones and then no, you maybe – I won't know at all, but I'll probably check in like week four, week eight, and then week 12. You're a quarterly MFL 10 checker? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I- You've got 20 of them. It's real hard to go back and check the score. I just wonder how people do it. Do people go and, like, obsess over this and, like, every week be like, ah, shit. Luckily, it's really – like, if you're a heavy, heavy DFS player, you can balance that. Because playing in redraft leagues is time-consuming. You've got to check the waiver wire. You've got to do all this. But if you want to spend all your time for DFS research and do MFL 10s, great balance. Yeah. I, I I think I, I gotta I gotta do a couple. It's, it's funny. I honestly I'm gonna tell our listening audience I'm a fantasy football freak, but I'm not as freaky as a lot of our freaks that are on our staff and other freaks. I've never done an MFL ten in my life, uh, and if, I'm gonna tell you right now if I do, I'm gonna do the biggest money one there is, and then I'm either gonna love it afterwards or I'm never <laughs> gonna do one again. <laughs> um, so. All right, well, you got any? Give us some more MFL 10, um, 10 approaches. Yes. I mean, there's just so many different approaches you can take. Um, it's all about that adaptability and fluidity. But if you do sort of the zero running back approach, you can have the guys with the low, uh, nice floor sort of running backs to back it up with the top end guys. And then you can balance it out with the boom wide receivers early. And you can sort of do vice versa. So it's all about weighing the negative scoring with the positive boom weeks you can have. So you can have teams with Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Matthews on the same roster. I I like the balanced approach where I got into some trouble last year with these best ball leagues is if I go too boom heavy. Uh, we've done an expert league the last couple of years uh, with some of the top guys in terms of rankings for fantasy pros. Where we seem to come into trouble is we just go on the boom players. Like, this guy can give me two touchdown weeks, but he might never do anything else. And we get too, too deep into boom. And uh, we get a lot of bust with that. So I think we need to be more balanced, get the floor guys, but also get those ceiling guys. I think that's the best way to approach it. Roster construction is one of those important things. 
Uh, you can find a lot of good work by a lot of good people on MFL 10s right now, roster construction. I agree. We're in some of those drafts, and most of the time, you know, we're, we're together a little bit of it during a podcast or something or when it starts, but then a lot of texting and looking at the... When we do that, me and Houdini are a little bit... We go for boomy, 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 and 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 always want to do that, especially when it's kind of like a, a triumphant group effort. It's like, boom, but we'll, we'll, we'll imagine what could be with this guy. No. Static party's like, come on, guys. We've got we got five booms in a row. If, if the wicks on these guys don't lie, we're fucked. <laughs> um, so, bam, Faraday. Be funny if Houdini just like texts me, he's like, "I'm here, I came." Oh, great! Oh, great. We're done. <laughs> I, gotta go turn, I gotta pause this and let him in. <laughs> so let's hit up another strategy there. I think the next one. Uh, let's see what leagues that are starting to devalue wide receiver and increase tight end production. And the reason why we put this one is because of another one of these big expert leagues that we, you guys just drafted in. And I talked with uh, Jay Podvader on the phone a bit uh, today about, and uh, he's in, it's the Scott Fishbowl. So the Scott Fishbowl 7, how many teams are in this one now? Uh, Four done. 480, 720, I don't remember. So many. Um, but it's on the Disney tip, and uh, yeah, basically what they've done this year in the Scott Fishbowl, in a rule set change, again, this goes back to like anything, know your rules. If you draft or draft in the same exact way, which I noticed and called someone out on Twitter yesterday that they were doing, uh, who was it? Oh, it's this guy, Dennis. Um, he was basically like, I'm holding out on tight ends. I hit him up directly like, that's not a good decision. Tight ends are more valuable this year. Uh, but essentially, in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, they kind of devalued the point scoring for wide receivers while increasing the tight end production. Talk about that, Stag. So, Scott Fishbowl is a point per first down league. So, it increases values of running quarterbacks, running backs, uh, decreases wide receivers, and it has a tight end premium. So while a you know a wide receiver would get one point per first down, tight ends get two and a half points per first down. Wow. Uh, so that is a big difference in scoring. The top, you know, however many tight ends increase you know exponentially. They are in the top twenty scorers. Kelsey was one of the top scorers in this sort of format. Because he's a chain mover. Overall, overall, Kelsey would have been the top 20. Yes. Wow. Top 20 overall players. Where was he going in the first round? Yes. Travis Kelsey went in the first round. Jordan Reed would go second, third. Greg Olson, third. Tight ends were flying off the board. So know the premiums in your league. If you, you know, not just Scott Fishbowl. If you get points per return yardage, those return yardage kings are premium. Guys like Tavon Austin and formerly Jarvis Landry. These type of players suddenly gain so much more value because of their skill set and ability to be not only a receiver, but a return man. So know anywhere that there's a premium. If there's a premium on 300-yard passers and not on, say, running quarterbacks, know that. A, A rushing quarterback maybe has 250, 50 rushing yards, 
But if you get a five-point bonus for 300 passing yards, know that. Know where all the premiums lie. Uh, Points per first down is an interesting sort of scoring format because, you know, it equates more to real football. What does point PPR do for anything in football if you catch a zero-yard pass? You know, nothing. It does nothing. But if you catch a one-yard pass for a first down, that's a very valuable play, and then your team's going to get, you know, four more opportunities at the end zone or to get their next first down. So it equates more to football, but knowing that scoring system is going to help you. That first down is only for the uh, increase is only for the tight end, or is there a scale that changes for each only position? Only for the tight end. So. Every I was on vacation. I didn't do this the fishbowl this year because I was on vacation. Pod Vader asked me if I was in the league. I'm like, no, nah, I was on vacation, but I felt bad. After looking at all your teams and all this stuff, I was like, fuck. Next year, I'm definitely going to be in that league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got, what, six guys? Five pyro five, guys? Five or six. Yeah. I think we got a couple fans, too. Um, cool. So, knowing that sort of value, and then you could do different things with premiums then. So, now... You know, one of the most popular strategies was to get three top-tier tight ends. Get Gronk, Kelsey, and Reed. And then you're devaluing the rest of your league by, you know, uh, creating a shortage of other tight ends. And you've got the three best. And then you Let's can- remember that and talk about it, as, let's say, after the first quarter and definitely after the season. Um, I think the Scott Fishbowl is a great thing. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's it's. it's 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 a monster within the industry. Let's talk later down down the road how successful that approach was. You know, in, in we'll definitely strategies. find out. Yeah, uh, you'll find out quickly. I'm sure. Is there a guy in your division that's doing it? Not in my division, I don't think. But there's guys out there, really, really bright, you know, mathematician PhDs that are rocking that sort of approach. Just because you're creating, you're drying up the demand. Volume create, displacement. Yeah, and you're creating some advantages for yourself in the score. I, I love that, but and because see. it's because be, it's best ball, you're getting no. It's, you got to set a lineup. You got to set a lineup. Yeah, that's right. So you, it's one of the most tedious things I do every week. But you can't. <laughs> so you can't play those three tight ends. Yes, you can. Okay. There, you can start up to six. Okay. It's crazy format. It's so it's a super flex league. Start six. Oh it's a super. Thank God you managed that. You you would ask us like, who should I start this or this? But thank God you've managed that over the uh, last few years that we've been in it. And this year you're on it. You're, you're I don't expect one. You're, it's your squad. I'm not. Maybe you'll I'll ask, ask me for advice here or there. But God damn, that that one sounds difficult. Go on. I'm sorry. I mean that's pretty much all we got for it. I, I think it's I think it's an interesting format, but I do like where points per first down takes you. Just because PPR, may, it overvalues the wide receivers, things along those lines. This maybe overvalues the running backs a little bit. But, hey, if all running backs are getting knocked down in the scoring, it's time to bring them back up. We've got to get back to the ages of having balanced positional scoring. And I like what you said when you started talking about it. It's like it makes it – anytime you can make a rule set that makes – it feel more like 
the NFL and what a coach or a GM or a uh, person, uh, whoever would need to manage a real NFL team, that associates and kind of parallels with how the scoring is for a fantasy league. I think that just makes it more interesting. So when you're watching the game, you're getting deep inside, you're feeling more, it feels more uh, natural and, and congruent with the way the game actually is. Because there's a lot of times fantasy, like you said, Jarvis Landry talked about it. It's like, yeah, the guy just had six catches and it was 22 yards. And yet, you know, you get, you're get you getting nine points for that or whatever. Um, let's do one thing. We're going to go on to our next subject matter. But before we do that, let's uh, take another listen to our advertisers. Thank you very much. Advertisers. Advertisers. Don't you want to buy that product that you just heard about? I mean, God, that was great. Dude, that was anal cream. <laughs> of course I I, uh, I don't need to buy that. I've got, I've got a life supply of that stuff already. We're good. Um, Jesus. Uh, by the way, I hope it Fresh was. Balls did save my, my life in my Telluride, Colorado trip last week. God bless. Chub Rub, Fresh Balls, Swamp Ass, just the whole deal. Just... Just fresh balls really takes care of it. Um, so we just did three ads in a row. Um, let's go on to uh, the next one, tier one approach. We talked a lot about tiers. The first uh, um, one, I think this is a bit different. I know that well, I think that, uh, that Solid Nine went for this uh, through his first few four rounds or so in our mock. But in, essentially with the tier one approach, it's just saying, no matter what, you're just going, you're basically, at the end of a tier one approach, you're essentially going to have a, a running back quarterback, a running back wide receiver quarterback, and a tight end. You're basically just going to say, in those first four rounds, the top guy, tier one, you know, it's going to be hard to get a tier one guy in both running back and wide receiver probably, but you can get... A tier, you can get a high tier one guy in those first three rounds and maybe even in, into the fourth round, but and you're kind of fulfilling those positions. Uh, I like it. I think the teams look great. If the, the, the problem is that sometimes what I've noticed, and I don't think I would do this or you would do this, is I don't seem to like the second half of the drafts that these people do. So it almost feels like they know the top-end guys or whatever, but then when it comes time to pick some of those explosions and balance them with some of those um, you know, more consistent players, that's where it goes wrong. But I like the Tier 1 approach where it's like you're sitting at the end of it with a, a, a great running back, a high, high wide receiver, or vice versa, and you got yourself one of the best tight ends, and you went – Probably one. You're probably the earliest guy to go on a, on a quarterback. So I think the tier one approach works in some ways. You're never going to get a tier one wide receiver and a tier one running back on a team. Yep. So maybe it's t- two tiers, or you combine your top two tiers, running backs and receivers, whatever. But you're trying to get two top end guys there in the first two rounds, one of each, and then you're looking for you know quarterback tight end in the next. So let's make the hypothetical team. You're drafting middle of the basically uh, first round. So your pick six, you draft Odell Beckham. He's the sixth overall pick. 
then you come back in the second round, you're getting a guy, hopefully like a Jai, maybe more like Jordan Howard, and I already hate this team now that we're talking but hold about on. it. Maybe, I think this tier one approach, you're honestly not doing that. That second pick, you're going with a Gronk. Or you you're, going, you're going with a guy in tier one. Because I don't think Kajai or, or, or uh, Howard are in that tier one. So I think you're going... I like the four I like, top guys I more hear, than I, I like the three. But you're not getting a... You have no chance at a top tier running back in the fourth round. I agree. No, I agree. But what I'm saying is... But you can... If you don't take that running back or say it's the wide receiver, if you take a running back in the first round and you skip that wide receiver in the second round and you go quarterback or tight end... Then through the first three rounds... You don't need to do that. Hold on, I'm just telling you. In the first three rounds, I'm not saying you do or don't, but you can have three top-tier one guys. You can it, do that through four rounds. How? Because Kelsey's a tier one player and what? he goes in the third. Rodgers is a tier one player and he goes in the third or fourth. But also the other tier one players are Tom Brady, Andrew Luck... Uh, Drew Brees, one of those guys will be available for you in the fourth I, round. I you. We're on the same thing. I think you're misunderstanding. What I'm saying is, if you go, if you go, if you, if the fourth pick, if you took a running back in the first, and in the fourth round you're taking a wide receiver, I know he's not a tier one guy. He's going to be lower. But then you're going to have a tier one quarterback, a Rodgers, and you're going to have a or or a Gronk, and then you're going to have a tier one guy in that third round, whether it's quarterback. What I'm saying is. If you take a wide receiver in the first round, the next two picks should be the quarterback and tight end. Okay. So then you actually literally get a tier one. You can't get a quarterback or a wide receiver, a running back and a wide receiver that are tier one. But if you choose which one you want tier one out of, then you can get the tight end and the quarterback that are tier I one. I guarantee you I can get three tier one players in four rounds. So That's I'm drafting at the sixth but not, pick. You won't, it won't be a running back and a wide receiver. They'll be the first two. Sixth pick, Odell Beckham, second round, Jordan Howard. But he's not a number one. He's not a tier one. It, tier one matters not at running back. We know who they are. So Odell Beckham, Jordan Howard. Then I draft Travis Kelsey, and I draft Tom Brady. Those are three okay. top tier one guys. Okay, I see what you're saying. You, uh, you don't get the number one players. Okay. Tier one players are di- – Number one okay. players at their position. I hear what you're saying. I'm trying one. to get. I'm saying the diff, My difference is that I would do the best player at each position, or essentially a tier one times three. Okay. So I would grab. I would get. I would get Odell Beckham. Then I would. Then I would grab Rodgers. It, it matters. And then the, I would get or Gronk. And then I would get Rodgers. It just so I matters. get the top, like essentially three players, three percent. We're saying the same thing, but yeah, I hear. It I just like matters the difference of what you think of the players. If you have multiple tier one players, it's easy because I have four top tier tight ends and I have four top tier quarterbacks. Here's the example I'll, I'll give. I like your approach better than than the one that I'm I'm discussing, but so good looking, solid nine. Um, we talked about him earlier. Had the first pick in our twelve man mock. He had the first pick overall, so he took Le'Veon Bell. I think we all agree. Number one, he's the one first running back in the first tier. Second round, he took Aaron Rodgers. Not for me and you, I don't think, but I think for most people, Aaron Rodgers is the number one quarterback in the first tier. On the second pick, on the third pick, he took Rob Gronkowski. Number, so that's what I'm talking about. He and then his fourth pick was Golden Tate or whatever. So. 
That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like he essentially with those first his first three picks, consensus wide, are the number one guy in at their position. Thing is, how many spots can you do that draft from? Because it's only oh only only, only you, you can only do it at the beginning. Yeah, you can you only do it picks one or two. Yeah, one, two, three. So let's people, let, yeah, let's or, say another example. Let's go running back in the first round. Let's go LaShawn McCoy. And then we could double up with maybe a Jordy Nelson or a Des Bryant in the second round. And then I could still get Travis Kelsey and Tom Brady in the fourth. This, this tier one approach also works. It just yeah. depends how many guys you have in your tier ones. But I, I, I still think I would rather get the running back wide receiver first. And then I'd much rather have... You know, Des Bryant, then Golden Tate is my first one. And I didn't think the step down from Gronk to Kelsey and um, Rodgers to Tom Brady makes up for that. Cool. I, I don't disagree. Uh, something to consider. I don't think we need to talk about this one much more. Uh, but that's it's, it's an approach where you're just basically saying, my first three picks, I'm trying to get the top guys in the top tier. And then I'll take it from there. And... It's, it's an approach that works. I like the way you're talking about it more than the way that I mentioned it. But my mention it more is just like the three best players across three of the four spots. Yes. Um, cool. Let's go to the next. Getting Okay. Here's, some, here's the thing that I, I got to admit. I take this approach. Um, pro, definitely more than you do. Definitely, a lot, definitely more than a lot of people I know in, in my leagues. It's something that I don't live by. I do live by my tiers. I don't want to go into anything. If a value stands out, I want to grab them. But I like to get my starting lineup in place first. And this that's this this point here for strategy is getting your starting lineup in place. We talked about zero RB, we talked about zero wide receiver. These are this is like what you call super excuse me, super hammering picks. You're going heavy on a position, then you're going heavy on another position. I like to do that. I'm fine doing that. The value speaks out. But at the same time, within that first six, seven rounds, eight rounds, I want to have, for the most part, my starting positions filled out. I'm, not, I'm always going to grab a quarterback in the sixth, seventh, or eighth round. I, this year might be different because there's so many flipping quarterbacks. And you look at, like, quarterback Ty, – Tyrod – uh, Tyrod's like at a draft level, quarterback seventeen. <laughs> you know, you, you said he finished the six, seven, and it's right. But as far as where he's drafted, it's like fifteen to seventeen. So there's a lot of talent to, at, 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 run, at quarterback. But I like to be after that initial six, seven rounds. Be like I can see the landscape of my team. I know who's starting the quarterback. I know my running backs. I know my wide receiver. I have a tight end. And I I honestly will say I have a quarterback and a tight end through those rounds where a lot of these other approaches and strategies are probably about don't. You're waiting. So I'm a guy that likes this kind of like having my lineup because then once I have it, then I can take some chances. Then I can take some explosion guys. I can go in and, and, and dance in and have some more slow and steady guys. If I know the landscape and the lay of the land of my team, for the starters, it's my week one starters. I feel confident that from if I'm in a 16 team league or, or not in a 16 round league, I do. I'm in 24 round leagues. Um, I feel like if I start out and I have my assemblance, my starting 
uh, people that are in that I'm going to battle with week one, I can create an awesome uh, accompaniment with the rest of my picks. My thing is, it depends who your top quarterback is. So if I don't have one of the top four quarterbacks, who we've mentioned as for us, pretty much consensus is. Drew Brees, then Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, maybe flip-flop for most of us, Aaron Rodgers. Those are the top four. So if I don't have one of those four on my team by the sixth round, what is my incentive to grab a quarterback in the seventh? Because what's the difference between five? What's the difference between Russell Wilson and Tyrod Taylor at this point in fantasy? I couldn't agree more with you. I'm going to tell you right now, Andrew Luck, I've been able to get in the fifth or sixth yeah. round. Yeah. Okay. That's my so guy. If that's you my get him in the fifth or sixth round, that's fine. That's, but if that's not happening, then I'm on board with you. I'm on board. And, 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 the and tight end, I want to be on board with. But after the top four of those guys, let's play this game again. After Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, and Greg Olson, you know, maybe I want Eifert and Graham. After those six guys, if I don't have one of those six guys on my team, I What's the deal? like? I agree. So I won't. I, I get where you're coming from. It just depends on the players on the team already, and the league, and who else loves players, and who's going. Yeah. And let's be honest, some of I'm in a 12 man league, and that's hard. It's harder to pull off this starting lineup that I love. It's got both a, a Jimmy or an Olsen and a Luck. Uh, so I agree with you, uh, and I'm also able to pull this off. And one of the approaches that I'm in that I'm talking about this starting lineup. It's a 10 man league. So it's a little smaller. So I'm able to come out and get, like, it's, it's easier to do this in a 10 than a 12. Oh, yeah. Um, no question about it. Then a but 14, I, then a 16. Yeah, I mean, oh, ridiculous. Yeah. But oh, I, if you're in a 10-man league, are you, you got to redo your parking? No. I <laughs> forgot about a draft I was doing. <laughs> nice. It was great. Let's give him a moment. Um, I, I just think sometimes... And again, I agree with everything you just said on this. Uh, start getting your starting lineup first. For me, I feel like I can put the Tetris pieces into place once I know what I've got from a starting lineup. And I won't reach. I won't do anything. But I feel like I can. I know I can get a. I'm always going to be someone that's going to go and grab that tight end in the in the fourth to seventh round. I'm going to grab that quarterback in the fourth to seventh round. And a lot of the players and teams I go against in all the leagues I am aren't. They're going to wait on those two positions, and they're going to hammer it on the running back and wide receiver. So I don't want to be at pick eight with three wide receivers or four four wide receivers and three running backs and no QB and tight end. That's just does. I don't feel comfortable there because then I feel like looking at some. Then I then my tight end is. Delaney Walker, and I'm not excited about it. Then my tight ends, Ertz, I'm not excited about it. I'm excited to buy an Olsen, a Jimmy Graham, uh, a, a, a Kelsey, who I've had on my I had a, I feel like I have the best tight end pick every year in most drafts I do. And I go, I don't go Gronk. I've never had Gronk on a team in my life. But I kind of go with, the, and, I, and I rarely kind of have Olsen. But I kind of go on the guy that I think is going to be that third, fourth, fifth guy, and I go a little earlier on it, and I feel like that helps my teams. Let's let's go through the quarterbacks real quick. Play a game. Okay. Uh, so, how comfortable are you with this guy as your QB one only starter? So it's either yes or no questions. 
We will start at number five because we know you're comfortable with the top ones. Russell Wilson. Um, I'm, I'm not a – I don't love – but, yes, I'm comfortable. Kirk I, Cousins. He won't be on any of my teams, I'll just be honest, but, yeah, I'm comfortable with it. Kirk Cousins. I'm comfortable with it. Matt Ryan. Not if he goes to the 49ers or gets traded. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Absolutely. Comfortable. Marcus Mariota. I'm comfortable, but I don't love him as much as all your, the rest of you guys out there. Cam Newton. I think he's the best value QB that will happen this year. Dak Prescott. Love it. Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. Yes, but I'm going to have to take a quarterback pretty quickly after that to, to offset those uh, those other games. Derek Carr. Guy. Yes. Jameis Winston. Strength of schedule and talent being brought to him with the running back situation being depleted and unknown. Yes. Tyrod Taylor. Plus two 4,000 yard seasons. I, 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 yeah. I'm huge on Zay. I'm huge on uh, Ryan being out of the mix. Um, and if I, I'm going to believe in you and a lot of the people. I love Sammy Watkins as a talent. I'm going to believe that he realizes he's got to get it done and hopefully he doesn't get injured. I, I think Ty, I think Ty God's going to have a, a sweet season. Yes. Andy Dalton. Yes. Math Stafford. I should say yes, just ceremoniously, because I do think he's going to be awesome. Um, he, that's where the, that's where it gets blurry for me. Okay, so Matt Matt Stafford, Philip Rivers. Yeah. I think I think with with Gordon there, I think it's a different team now. And Gordon, Eli Manning. So out. right about QB fifteen is where you draw the line as your last hurt. So after then, if you don't think there's much of a difference. That's where your late round quarterback approach comes in. Couldn't so if you don't have one of these top four guys oh, after round five, you know, then you're gonna end up the waiting game, and then you're gonna end up with one of these guys as your QB one, and maybe you end up with two of them because you go eight, nine rounds to get them. And I would feel, just so you know, out of that list, Dak and Carr. I would feel totally excited about both those guys, and those guys are going in a spot. From what I'm noticing, that feel, I, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. I love a Dak. I love a car. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd be happy with those guys. I'd, I'd, ha- I'd love to have either of those boys over Ben Roethlisberger. Tight end, it's a little bit murkier if we played the same game. So after the top six, it goes like Kyle Rudolph, who you're probably not excited about. Martellus Bennett, who has some excitement. but no, I'm also more excited about Rudolph than Bennett. Yeah, he's also got questions. Delaney Walker, who you've already mentioned. Zach Hurts, Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry, Jack Doyle. I like, I like, I like Hunter Henry, especially now, as we mentioned earlier, with that Mike Williams. Um, but again, could this be like the... the, uh, the, the the ceremonious last year for Gates and every game is just trying to make him look good on his last season out. Um, but yeah, I think I'll, to be honest, in, in all instances, I'll have one of those top five QBs and I'll have one of those top uh, five. Who's number five tight end in that in that list you were talking about? Graham. Graham, yeah. I mean, I love Graham. I will have. I feel like I'll have Graham and Luck on a lot of my teams. All right. So. That, that's just what it comes down to when you're filling out your starting lineups. That if I don't think you're getting a top tier, maybe top tier and a half guy at quarterback or tight end, and I know I'm not going early on them, 
I'm not going to fill out my roster until the eighth or ninth round. I'm going more likely to grab a couple more wide receivers, a couple more running backs. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Love it. Uh, before we get on to the next, I agree with you, and you, you, you kind of sold me on that. Uh, before we get into the next thing, um, the next uh, strategy component, which is going to be late round QB, uh, have a listen to this. All right, thank you so much. On the next uh, strategy that we're going to cover here is going to be late round QB. Uh, obviously, another strategy that uh, has been uh, brought up and made successful by J.J. Zacharyson and who's his uh, other counterpart? Denny Carter. Denny Carter. Um, so this is a uh, this is a, a strategy that is essentially we we touched upon just in our we, last. We touched piece, about it. Just upon the last segment, I mean, we talked about 15 to 16. You know, for me, it's like 18 to 19 quarterbacks that I'm comfortable with as my start. And if there's 18 of them and there's 12 teams in my league, why am I going to pay a surplus and a premium draft pick when I feel about the same about these other quarterbacks? Do you double up? Sometimes it depends. So then I can play the matchups. It sort of depends on the, the top quarterback I have. It's like I got a guy like Roethlisberger in the ninth or tenth. I, I might double up, but if I get a guy I'm a little bit more comfortable with, even though I'm pretty comfortable with Ben, with Martavis and Brown and Bell back in action, I'm pretty <laughs> bullish. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about home road splits. At some point, like the top five team in the league, top yeah. five scoring, and Ben Ben's the orchestrator yeah, of the Ben's the, the the whole the whole deal. So, exactly, the orchestrator. Uh, my thoughts on it, and we've talked about it on numerous occasions, is if there's twelve teams, eighteen quarterbacks, supply doesn't meet demand. Why pay the surplus that other teams are playing when they draft a quarterback in the first two rounds of your draft? Just flat out don't draft the quarterback until at least round three, and even then, wait, wait, wait. I would say, I would say points, five. Points are replaceable. The points are replaceable. So in with the late round strategy comes with taking a guy you think has top seven to eight upside, getting him and hoping he's your starter for the full season. If that doesn't work out, the backup plan is streaming. The reason streaming quarterbacks works is because of the sample size. We know that a quarterback is going to come in the game. If he's starting that game, he's going to take every single snap. So he is touching the ball on 100% of plays. Uh, Only the center can say that, and he doesn't score you fantasy points. (laughs) So if if we know he's going to throw it close to 50% of the time, he's going to throw it 30 times, the sample size for him is 30 attempts in a game. And we know what a quarterback has typically been, or, or we don't. Maybe it's one of the backups that's never really played. But you know maybe you can get 12 points out of this guy just by slotting him in the lineup. And maybe your average quarterback's only going to put up 16. So that negative four points isn't that big of a deal, and you can make up for it. Over the last couple of years, what, we, I've done streaming picks, and you know you can just stream on the season, and guys that are owned in 40% less of leagues, you can stream a QB5 or a QB6 in terms of end-of-season scoring. 
So the replacement level is just so much higher than it is for other positions. Paying a premium doesn't really make sense. You know, what I love about what you and Houdini and some of our other um, counterparts of Pyro do is really break it down to over a 16-game schedule and how, oh, wow, that's two points per game. Don't you think you can make up those two points if you drafted um, an awesome wide receiver of Martavis Bryant, let's say, in the fourth round as opposed to an early uh, quarterback? Yes. And... When you break it down, you think name value, you think looks good on paper, you think all these, you know, big points per game. But sometimes you just got to look at like, wow, at the end of the day, that dude only scored you one point more per game. Uh, It it really makes you think. You want what else makes me think or not? I'm drinking Revolution uh, Brewing Fist City. Uh, Love this shit, as we know, uh, made with... Cascade, Citra, Centennial, and my eyesight is going to shit, and Crystal Hops. Uh, This this is one of the best brewers and best beers in the world. Uh, Quick note, um, obviously we don't have any sound bites tonight. We were going to do Kenny Towers, so we'll do that next time, and Stevie. Uh, But Houdini's our sound bite guy. We opened the show with the Jokers. An old Belgian, um, unbelievable guitar-driven band from literally, like, I believe, the late '60s. It's the name of the, bo- the band is the Jokers. We opened with Sabre Dance, which is an awesome song, and we're going to close out with Taboo and Football Boogie. So there you go. So just wrapping up late round quarterback okay. last year, the eighth quarterback in regular scoring was Tyrod Taylor. He scored 266 fantasy points. He was what? Number eight. Then if you look at Cam Newton, who was quarterback 17 while missing a game, he scored 250 fantasy points. If you could do quick math and you could do 66 minus 50, I think you get 16, which is the difference of one point per game. So that's literally the difference we're talking about. Maybe one point. Yeah. So there, there's that. Um, one interesting part of the late round QB is when you get into leagues where quarterbacks have more value. And no, I'm not talking about six point passing touchdown leagues yeah. or you know a point per twenty passing yards instead of twenty five. I'm talking about two QB or super flex leagues where you play two of them. Late-round quarterback still works there. You know you could find the replaceability quarterback, the Brian Hoyers of the world on the waiver wire. Well, you know, one of the Browns starters will probably end up being there for you. Cody Ka- Kessler, Kaepernick last year for us. Kaepernick was a waiver wire wonder. There's plenty of guys that you could find, stream, and start and get replacement level quarterback to value. So what I like to do in two QB leagues a lot of people will advocate going for an early quarterback, a first or second rounder. I'm more of the four or five turn type, grab two, be done with it. My team's better in the long run because I can get guys like in the 8-17 range that we still like, you know, get them at that time. Get two of those guys, sort of be done with it, and then maybe grab the savages of the world who we're not sure if he's a full-time starter, but if he is, you got your QB3 there. 
and you sort of balance it out. I, so I really like two QB scoring. I think you posted an article the other day uh, about the advantages of it. For me, I love I love everything you said. The only thing when I get into the streaming zone, whether it's two QB, whether it's uh, late round QB, it's a little more stressful for me. Like I kind of one of the reasons why I, earlier I just said I like to have my starting lineup in place. It's like there's enough stresses already in life. I don't want to have to think about week to week about who I need to grab, who's got the best matchup. What injuries have happened? Who's the guy that's been benched? And what, how, how can I pull this uh, wine out of... How can I make this water into wine? That sort of thing stresses me out a little bit. So just that's the only reason why the whole streaming and waiting for quarterbacks and not going early. Um, again, it, 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 there ain't no right. And it's proven that you can do this uh, these, these other uh, strategies for quarterbacks. But you... You better not have a job that might have you like Houdini on the road or have you at a moment where there's certain leagues, again, know your league, there's certain leagues, stupidly, that have open season and not waiver wire. So at 2 o'clock on uh, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday morning, 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning, the pickups happen. Uh, they might, there's, there's certain situations in life that... If you're doing streaming quarterback, you better have the time to commit to finding the right quarterback for that week. You know what I mean? For me, I'd rather just be like, I got these two guys. It's A or B. So that's all, that's all I'll say. If you got if you got a fantasy football life, as we do, and I still don't have enough time to stream, then go for it. Uh, I like I don't like being stressed out. Um, all right, you got anything? No, we hit. Let's uh, move on. To move tight on. Ends. We're going to tight end. We got a couple of strategies here, um, and basically the first one's tight end situation and how to approach that position in your draft. Um, again, kind of like quarterbacks, the the number of guys that could be in the top five at tight end are as big as I can remember in a long time. Now the flip side is some of those same players are. Really not sexy names, and could end up being in seven at number seventeen. So, what are your thoughts on the on the tight end position? Who are some of the guys that you like? Uh, I'll, I'll just shut up and let you kind of run it, and I'll, I'll I'll jump in. After we really talked about it earlier, I think we agreed on the top four. So I like to get the latest possible one there, Greg Olson in the fifth round. After that, I like Jimmy Graham in the 6th or 7th, Tyler Eifert in the 7th, Kyle Rudolph in the 8th. After that, I don't really like this next tier. I don't really like my, my next tier of Martellus Bennett, Delaney Walker, Zach Ertz. It's one I'd probably be avoiding. I'd much rather go down a tier and go with Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, uh, Hunter Henry. Get one of those guys who I believe has a lot of upside. Jack Doyle, who I think is just more of a weekly Performer rather than upside player, but he's also got some touchdown ability with Andrew Luck throwing him the rock. So I, those are the guys I like. I want one of those, you know, ten or so guys I mentioned. So I'm going to try to get one. Um, we talked about the round ranges I liked: Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, after that, once we get to maybe. Tight end 14, it gets ugly. Like, 
guys like Kobe Fleener, Witten, Brait, Hooper, Fedorowitz, the ghost of Antonio Gates, Julius Thomas, <laughs> and probably the ghost of Zach Miller. Any of the rookies, I'm not paying up for any of the rookies. You can't convince me otherwise. And the one, if I had to pay up for one, it would be David Njoku. At least he's in an offense where he's arguably the best target. Like, all, the, all these other guys have four guys right in front of them who are more proven NFL players. And Joku's got what? Kenny Britt? Coleman. No, he's, he's, he's not a proven NFL player. No, not, and, he's, <laughs> and he's fucking got a... Uh, he's got an injury already by landing on the ball. But um, he's got a proven draft slot. So they're going to make him... They're, and and, and Joku's is almost as good, right? I agree. I, by the way, and I'll say this, and, you know... Not that there's anything wrong with this. This is the gayest thing you're going to ever hear from me in a while. And I am wearing uh, white. I'm wearing white pants. Well, I, I'm a Capri guy. I have been. <laughs> I have been. I've been a Capri guy since before the turn of the century. In all honesty, people are like, I remember I came back to a college reunion in, uh, two th- in like 2005. Like my buddy's uh, Dave Kuznetsky, who's passed away. R.I.P. My friend. He was one of my uh, one of my. Um, Brothers in, uh, at Acacia. He was like, are you gay? I'm like, no, I just dress gay. <laughs> He's like, you really do dress gay? I'm like, yeah, I'm confident. I get more pussy than any of you motherfuckers. He's like, god damn it. But yeah, I dress capris. I'm wearing white pants. I pretty much, I know I walked by five people today. I remember one of them. They looked at me like, look at this fucking Moser. Uh, <laughs> but that guy was walking with an ugly broad. I was Sorry, I'm not sorry? <laughs> yeah, sorry, not sorry. Um, long and short of it, though, what was I talking about? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, edit, edit. No, 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 we're not editing shit. Um, we're not editing shit. Um, shit. All right. I think that's all I got for tight end strategy. I think you said you wanted one of the top six. Other than that, you're really not liking any of the names. But one strategy you do like is drafting two of them and playing one into the flex. And if we, we talked about it. I said I only really like ten of them. If I'm in a league with 12 people, the supply doesn't meet the demand. So then if I do something called take two tight ends, I'm really depleting the overall supply, making people demand trades from me. I've got two of them. I think I know what they're going to get. But it's harder to do. I mean, I think you can maybe do a Gronk because you know Gronk can put up borderline wide receiver 10 numbers when healthy. And then... Maybe an Olsen in the fifth. Maybe you could do it that way. Can I be honest? When I do this approach, it's not early, early. Yeah. It's it's an early, high and high ceiling guy. Um, I I did this with um, Olsen and Eifert two years ago. Uh, I've done it with um, uh, I did it with um, Kelsey and Reed. Kelsey and Reed. Um, a guy that I'm going to do as my late guy, and I know you hate his guts, but a guy that I feel like could fall in this position if it goes. I like a Fleener this year. I can get him so friggin' late that I think that there's going to be a moment where a Fleener's going to get going, where I can grab a Kelsey or a Reed or have um, an Olsen. And later in, the, later in the draft, whether it's a Doyle or um, a Fleener, well, um, let, me, let me just look at some of my other guys, my tiers quickly at the position that I like. A Hooper, not as much, but I love a Henry. You know, like some of these guys, maybe a Bennett, maybe a, 
Uh, I do like the rookies more than you do. Um, I like an Ingram. I like a Howard. You know, there's a lot of tight ends this year. Even a Julius Thomas, you know, you're sitting there. That guy, it seems like they want to make things happen. So, for me, it's more of grabbing that first six-round tight end where I'm getting a Tier 1, Tier 2 tight end. And then what I'm going to do is a guy that I'm not going to automatically, again, I'm fluid. I'm not going to say, hey, this is going to be a two-tight end team and now i got to get the tight end really quickly, and I'm never going to draft. Honestly, I'm never going to draft two tight ends in the first ten rounds, ever. And I've never done it. But I'm going to take a guy that might, if everything falls into place, stars line, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he could be a guy that turns into my flex. And it's happened, I'd say, in two of my leagues. It's happened three out of the last five years where I'm looking and I'm like, wow, I'm playing two tight freaking ends. And think about how late a guy last year, how late last year Rudolph went. Like, yeah. Rudolph is a perfect example of a guy last year that could be could have became a tight end. Doyle, kind of the same way. I don't like that as much. but um, So, I think the two tight end deal for me is like, if it you get your first guy and you grab some other guys with upside, not other guys, maybe one or two tight ends, and if one of those guys hits... Then you can you can feel good about that, but I don't go or I don't go like two tight ends in the first nine rounds or anything like that. Um, anything else to say there? Yeah, I'm looking for um, the predictability of rookie tight ends, and it's a, it's just not good. Like overall, even the best season by tight ends as rookies haven't been great. Like the numbers that have exceeded 600 yards which is, what, nothing, 40 yards a game, give or take. Um, not, not a higher rate of hit there. Guys who score eight-plus touchdowns. Like, Hunter Henry was a major, major exception. Other exceptions besides Hunter Henry in the last decade? Gronk? Who, who else you got? Like, yeah. I'm not counting on any of these guys, especially... Evan Ingram in a crowded situation. Brandon Marshall's a better tight end receiver than whatever Evan Ingram is right now. Here's the only reason why I'm, I'm, I, I don't mind these guys. Because of the depth of the position. And, I mean, again, in our mock draft, I was able to get O.J. Howard as my last pick. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying you're, you're going high on these guys. I'm Ingram, Noku, and... Um, O.J. Howard in a 12-man, 16-round league. These are like last couple picks. So I hope so. People are paying up for them right now. Then I'm not going for them. Yeah. You know, the only reason why I say it is if I can get those guys in the late, there's no way I'm going for any of these guys unless it's a value pick. But literally, you look at that mock draft, and my last pick, round 16, it was the fourth, fourth to last pick. Was and it was it was actually I was going to either take Cole Beasley or OJ Howard. I took OJ Howard just to get a second tight end um, to match up with my Jimmy Graham, and that was the last round. So that I'm not going to do the math there, but essentially, real low. I'm willing to I'm willing to roll the dice on that guy you just can miss, with uh, the specimen picks, yeah. with the specimen that that guy is. Um, I'm willing. I'm willing to do it. So don't don't think that any of those rookies that I'm thinking I'm taking, even in the twelfth round, you're going deeper. And 
Sadly enough, just because I've got I'm in leagues that people love to fucking draft and drink all night and make it into twelve hour escapades. Most of my leagues truly are like twenty round leagues. Yeah. Is that the way yours are or not at all? Your big league sixteen. Yeah, my leagues are like so friggin' deep. It's ridiculous. The waiver wire is just like there's there's almost no one there. There's like guys that pop up, but. Whatever. And what do you want? You want to move on to the next one? So, here's a good one by Mike Clay. The number of benchmarks hit by rookie tight ends over the past decade. The number of rookie tight ends with five-plus touchdowns. Four in the last ten years. The numbers with over 600 yards, one. And the number with over 50 receptions, three. Like, these guys just... Over 400 yards? 600. 600. Who was it? We say that doesn't matter. Uh, uh, those, those, are, those are telling. Those are telling tales. Like, even if we think these guys are the cream of the crop, they're the best of the best, and they definitely are the best that we've seen in the last yep, three, right four years of tight ends. Yeah, um, it, it's still tough for these guys to get acclimated, especially when one of the main jobs is being asked, you know, to be a blocker. Full circle. I remembered my gayness and where we went with these white khakis. God, the mind's a terrible thing to waste. What I was going to say, David Nyoku is the coolest looking friggin' football player in the league. That guy in pads in the summer league and his helmet and the way he wears his uh, his jersey up and he's got the, uh, you know, the, the he just looks so, he looks like such a friggin' badass. And that's what I was going to say. Not that there was anything wrong with it, but the gayest thing I'm going to say in the show is Nyoku that guy looks like the baddest mofo. He's just the coolest looking football player I've seen in a long time. Yeah. All right. I remember this. Remember my dead thought. No edit. Necessary. Amen. <laughs> what do you got going on? Should we move on to the next thought? Yeah, let's uh, – what, what do you think about overall drafting two tight ends? Do you feel like you have to do that in a regular-sized league, 16 rounds, or are you okay just going with the one, especially because you're more likely to get a top five or six guy? It depends. It depends on the value. I do not need two tight ends whatsoever. I'm totally fine. Look, every year there's been – there's Cameron Bray last year. Was that two years ago? That was last year. Uh, Zach Miller two years ago. There's always guys that just come out of nowhere. Um, so I don't have to, but I like it. You know, and again, I guess I'm, I'm, our mocks and some of the things we do are 16 rounds, but I'm, most of my leagues truly are these deeper rounds. So if, if I take one tight end in a 24-round draft and I got all of a sudden, it, it kind of seems a little stupid. Um, so, but I, I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to, but I, I like to have that depth. You know, the tight ends, tight ends of the years that I won – I'd say the last two times I won a championship in my oldest league, it was because of Jimmy Graham was a huge component in it. Huge, huge, huge component in it. And uh, Olsen was a huge component in another one. So, like, tight ends for me are an important position where I think a lot of people in fantasy, even old guard, new guard, are just like, ah, it's a tight end. You know, it's a whatever. It's streaming. You can play it. You can plug and play uh, for me, tight ends have been a big part of the years that I've had big, good success. So I, I, I like the position. I do think streaming tight ends is a little bit harder than people say. Um, 
because I just don't know if there's enough good, consistent scores or guys even with weekly upside unless you're just playing whatever tight ends playing Detroit. But even then, year-to-year correlations on strength of schedules and how teams perform against the tight end position, that one changes the most. Yeah. You know, It doesn't matter how a team played against the tight end the year before. Uh, so yeah. I'd look at those linebackers and safeties and sort of make your decisions early in the DFS season before we've got you know, data differently at tight end position than others. And I do, I like what you said even going back to earlier in the show, maybe there's a reason not in the 16, uh, uh, you know, team, ben, team bench or draft, but sometimes tight end drafting to take away from somebody else is important. And I, I can think about two years ago, one of my arch nemesis's I dropped... Namasai? Yeah. (laughs) I dropped Delaney Walker for a pickup that didn't pan out. He picked him up. Not only did he have Delaney Walker in a two-touchdown week regular season, Delaney Walker beat me in the championship. So there's something to be said about that tight end position that when you have it, when you have good guys and you have some depth there, even if you're not playing it and using it, someone else doesn't have it. Yeah. All right, um, let's go to... Let's continue on the rookie theme. Let's go to don't draft too many rookies. And this is a very important thing. We talked about those thresholds for tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about... Let's just uh, talk about those thresholds for tight ends. Let's talk about the other positions. Let's talk about wide receiver. Why? You're high on Corey Davis. I think you're high for being high on Corey Davis. But here, I mean, Mike Evans or Mike Williams now, it looks like he could be out for an extended period of time or at least unhealthy. So that's a guy I'm not touching in fantasy football right now. John Ross is another guy who's got huge, huge competition for targets because of A.J. Green and Eifert and Brandon LaFell who played over 1,000 snaps last season. He's going to help everyone. He's going to help everyone on the Bengals. Except but, himself. Except himself. He's and like, fantasy he, owners. Yeah, and fantasy owners. That guy is going to help that offense like no one. But it's going to it's it's decoy city. It's three catches. He's going to have two huge games. But it's everyone's worried about him. This is not a fantasy guy. Not this year, at least. So the real rookie receiver you're looking at, you know, at least from the first round. What over the over the last decades? Over the last decade, there's been. 40 wide receivers taken in the first uh, first round. So, how have all those guys turned out? They've all been awesome, right? Like, no. Like, Not at all. 12 of them have finished as wide receiver threes or better. So, you're talking about, you know, maybe 30% of these guys are going to turn out. So, maybe, hey, Corey Davis just finishes a wide receiver three and that's a win. And but, that's, what, that's what I want. I, li- I love him as a wide receiver three. Or a flex. You don't have to draft him that high. Um, so I, I just I, mean, I think he isn't. I think he's the third or fourth highest drafted wide receiver over that last ten year period. He was remember he's fifth pick this year. Yeah, but he's also coming off an injury, and he's got Eric Decker in front of him, Rashard Matthews. I don't. I'm not worried about Decker. I'm going to tell you. I'm not worried about Decker or Rashard Matthews. Guys that both had over 100 I love I love both, but he's the alpha now. 
I, I think he goes to the camp wide receiver one, no matter what. I'm not saying he has the end. Camp starting like tomorrow. I guarantee I you he's not entering at wide receiver one. <laughs> well, we're going to find out. I think he is. I think as far as the coaches are saying, our wide receiver, and it's not based on pure previous portfolio or anything like that. I, I get it. These are two guys that are, Matthews, let's be honest, he had a great season, but other than that, they're not. They're, He's had two great seasons, and I like, and I like, and I like Decker as well. But I think the team's like, we got three wide receivers, great, but our wide receiver one. That doesn't mean he's going to finish wide receiver one. I do think that it will happen that way, but there, there, he's he's the guy. I've been looking at pictures of him, and you you see all these these. And they got Taylor Taylor too. It's more of like a, 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 a T. Y. Hilton, just not as fast. Um, but when you see a picture of their wide receivers and their off-season gear, this dude, it looks like you're like that, that guy. I want, if you're sitting there picking, you're like, I want that guy. I understand he's a rookie. He's got a lot to learn, but if you love Mariota as much as you do, I don't have to love Corey Davis, but you don't love him because of Eric Decker or, or Matthews. I know based I can't project. You loved him more because they drafted fifth at Corey Davis. You loved him more. You're like, oh, my God, now we got weapons for him. And also, what's the name's old? Walker. Yeah, Walker's 34. I, I get I get that. There's just guys. He's thrown to guys in the past. Usually when rookie receivers come in and there's guys with 100-plus targets, they don't suddenly stop throwing to the guys that have gotten 100-plus targets. Rookies take time. To catch on, especially when this team thinks they can now be the division winner, you know, just because of all the offseason moves they made, why are you going to throw the rookie under the fire, give him seven targets a week? Like, he needs 100 targets to be really fantasy relevant this season. All I'm going to say, I have a hunch. <laughs> I know you're right. I know the stats, the data say, say differently. I have a hunch that this is the guy. Okay. I felt the same. The last time I felt this way was Julio, who was another high pick. I've had, I'm in rookie leagues, and I love Randy Moss. I have a feeling that this guy's going to have that year. I just don't think he's even close to either of those little levels of athleticism or talent. I mean, those guys are. Do you, so do you, you don't think he's in the I think AJ Green top- zone? You don't think he's who I think is in their same zone? You don't think he's in the? Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, wide receivers that have been quite successful. Over, I just think everyone loves this team fantasy wise, and the only worry is that they're so run heavy. And we don't need to make this about my Corey Davis. I am taking a flyer every year. You know, I put my I put my bread in my basket on two friggin' players, and they hit sometimes, and they miss yeah, yeah. others. You know what I mean? But I'm put I'm putting my I'm putting I'm putting him in the mix and I I'm gonna I'm gonna live or die by it. Now, if after a month of training camp he's lost and the news out of camp and you're seeing and he's not this guy's just not learning the book and he's not smart enough to get it and they're like, We need to win now, we're not worried about it, that's why we brought Decker in here. Hey, great. Amen. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be all in on him and, and drafting him high, but there's something about this guy that right now, just looking at that body and the fact that he's a, um, I think, a four-year player. He's a hungry guy that came. He wasn't like a highly recruited. Fucking guy played at Western Michigan. You know, 
That's Central. 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 Western was in Tony Brown. Those guys that come in and play at these small schools, it's so much different than when you come from Florida State or when you come from these big programs. It's like, I'm here and I'm here because of what I've done in my work ethic. I just, I'm, I'm right now, here and now, we'll talk again in a month. Corey Davis, I, he's a wide receiver one on the Titans. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm let's move on. Let's move uh, on. We got. We got the, the reason it's great. So let's talk about the other, of, uh, the other rookies in good spots. I mean, Zay Jones, who's more likely to, more likely to see more targets than pretty much any other uh, any other rookie receiver. I mean, we talked about Mike Williams back, John Ross being the lid lifter. Can do a favor, and I've mentioned this on a podcast uh, within the last um, you know few that we've done. Watch Zay Jones' uh, YouTube highlights, and just if you don't friggin' love this guy and what he does, he is a football player first and foremost. I feel like, and I compared him before. He's a different player, but he's like an Ant- he's like an Anquan Bolden to me. He's a fucking football player. This guy, you can throw that anytime you throw him the ball. He's going to beat his defender. He's going to make it hard for him to tackle him. Zay Jones, that guy is going to be a sick bro. I love that guy. Yeah. I love Zay Jones. The rest of the rookies look like they're in tough spots. The real position is rookie running backs. And maybe two of the four are going to be top 24 players. Who like, do you like the most? Out of those? Leonard Fournette, just because I think he gets the most carries and touches and Easily projectable role, like he's the man there. Yeah. I think he's probably a borderline RB one slash RB two, so wow. right in the twelve thirteen range. So see, if you have, if you're in the, so you're in the, let's say you draft in a twelve man league, you've got the nine pick, and and you take a wide receiver with that nine pick, whoever it is, doesn't matter. And Fournette comes back to you. Are you you're excited with that pick in the second round? Second round. I said thirteenth overall running back. Running back. Okay, but he's going in the second round, isn't he? Mm, third. Third. Okay. He's going in the third round in typical drafts. I thought he. Was, I thought. My bad. I thought he was going high. No. I thought he was going high. I thought he was going more of the first half of the second round. My he's bad. going overall twenty four in PPR advanced football calculator. So that means people in fantasy football calculator are a lot more excited for Leonard Fournette than people uh, in MFL 10s where he goes about eight spots later. Okay. Um, so he's usually a third-round pick. I like him somewhat in the third round, but I'm probably just as likely to pass on his name in the third round as I am to draft him. Like, uh, can I get another receiver there? Probably going to go receiver over him. Cook between... Who, between uh, McCaffrey, let's let's start PPR. McCaffrey, Cook, Mixon. Who 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 excites you the most out of those rookies? McCaffrey, Mixon, Cook. I'm just not a huge believer in Cook. Personally, I think that offensive line. You know, they've done some work this offseason, but overall, I don't know that they're good enough. And he's going to have a lot of work to do behind the line of scrimmage. And, I just think his game with pass blocking and they want him to be a kick returner with Latavius Murray and Jerick McKinnon and other guys, and I think they want to be you know, a good team now. 
Yeah. That Zimmer Zimmer ain't trying to Zimmer's yeah. not trying to prove Cook. That's just not the kind of coach he is. Not he right wants, away. He He's to gonna it. make him prove it to him. Exactly. The veterans are gonna get it first. Exactly. So that, that's, that's what we're that's, that's a Zimmer role. He's not gonna be like, oh, we draft this guy. Right, we gotta we gotta make it work. Um, so out of those, so do you like Mixon the most, or do you like McCaffrey? More? McCaffrey, Mixon. Uh, it, it, Mixon's very, very close, probably. It, I in PPR, I take McCaffrey, Standard, Mixon. Okay, so let's let's quickly go on on this subject because it, it it matters. Samaje, obviously we know fucking Deontay Foreman, the fucking idiot, weed and fucking guns. And apparently car. the gun was registered to him. No, yeah, of course, so, of course. No, I read that too. But still, never. And the, the you got arrested. You got arrested, and the issue with you going into the draft was you got you've been arrested, and you've been you've had issues. Uh, so out of those uh, later guys, um, free uh, Foreman, uh, Samaje, you know, Samaje I Samaje like, by far. Yeah, I mean, so do you like Samaje more than Cook? No. Maybe. Yeah, I do. Maybe. I do. I do. Maybe. Do you like? Uh, all right, well, let's, let's not make – we don't need to make this about players so much, but we're talking about rookies, and the way we started was don't draft too many. Rookies are scoring fantasy points. It's awesome. It's great. Find those values. There's plenty of talent on this board. Again, we've got a rookies chart. My dog's scratching at the door because probably she's hot as dick. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a rookie tab in the in the fantasy football uh, draft kit. Check that shit out. But what we have found out, and I'm just gonna open the door, and she won't be too loud. I hope I'll probably throw her into the bathroom. But when you draft a, a redraft league, and you have too many rookies on your team, it's regrettable. It's regrettable. I mean, like half of rookies are gonna work out. Like in their first year, the highly drafted ones. You might be able to find those late round gems, but you're not going to spend up draft picks on them. Right now, there's so much more projectable talent in the NFL that you don't need to go all the way in on these rookies. I mean, if you want to take a flyer on Corey Davis, sure, the draft position is just too rich for my blood. Mike Williams, Trub City. You know, Zay Jones should see some targets because he could be that wide receiver too there. But other than that, there's nobody really sticking out from you in terms of draft day, draft this rookie, gotta have it, gotta love it. And even guys that are highly drafted, you know, sometimes have disappointing seasons. Laquan Treadwell and uh, Josh Dotson last year. So uh, I, I'd steer clear of having maybe more than two. I don't like if you're getting into three and four ranges of rookies. I think you're drafting wrong. Yeah, I, I agree. Unless you're in a rookie where you have to have a rookie, to, you know. But yeah, I, I agree. Whenever we've done drafts um, to collectively, whenever I've done alone, and I look and I'm just like, oh, geez, I got all these rookies. It's 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 not a. It, there's not that. There's not enough upside there and enough knowns. Um, all right, the next thing. Move on. I think the last thing. Yeah, not, the last thing, and before we get on to it, have a listen to this. All right, 
I'm starting to realize why Daisy was uh, scratching the door. It's it's lightning? it's lightning and thunder out there. Maybe not thunder, but it's lightning out there. Thunder. Thunder. Um, this is gonna be the last thing we're gonna do on this show. I think we've had a great uh, way, a great conversation here. Stag party, D Rex giving it to you. <clears throat> Make sure you check out Pyro Pro. It's our uh, way to um, ask direct questions, and we put a Pyro resource toolbox components. We've moved uh, the news feeds into the front end, so it's a little different now. A lot of changes happening at Pyro going on, but uh, when you're doing it, when you're a Pyro Pro member, you get direct access to ask us any sort of question, whether it's a lineup in season question, whether it's a pre-draft question, question about any of our tiers. You get access to our tiers, uh, so sign up for that. Uh, Forty dollars per season, or you can go by month at $10 per month, or you can even do $5 a week. So, Pyro Pro, if you want, if you're paying money uh, in DFS and or your leagues, there's no reason why you shouldn't throw down a little extra money uh, for our premium package um, to help you guys bring home the bacon in your other leagues. Last thing we are going to cover here is when to draft defenses and kickers. And... Um, you know, different vantage points. And I think that really it's, there's no right or wrong here. I think you and I have, um, the re- there's a reason it was last on this list. Cause you should do it last. <laughs> <laughs> but do you really feel like when, do you really feel like, and your last two picks in any draft should be the almost, I mean, I won't say last two. Okay. If I'm in the last three, Sure, I might reach for a kicker in the second to last before maybe I had already gone defense in that, you know, third to last. I'm gonna say last four. And we know last year one of my big things was like, you know what, I'm going Steven Goskowski. I'm taking him early I'm gonna take him a little earlier. That's not early. It's not Adam Rank uh, early, but you know, I went for him a bit early and didn't pan out. So I'll never do that again. But at the same time, I love most people like going kicker first and having that kicker. The kicker to me is a little more. Who likes that? I, really? People, well, people. Some people do it. What I'm saying is, I think kickers go defense be, always ahead of kick. Really? Always. Always. Okay. I would. Well, I would too. That's what I'm saying. I like the kicker ahead of. I like the defense. I like. I want to have Kansas City Chiefs on my team on every team. Every I want to be the I want to take one of the first defenses over one of the first kickers is what I'm saying. Absolutely, um, and I, I like having a top again that whole top tier thing. I like having. I want. I, I mean, I'm going to be pretty adamant. Thank God I don't. They're not the number one defense to go. But once defenses start getting picked, I want Kansas City. The problem. I take the problem with defense. Is there is turnover every single year? So you're gonna see what three players, uh, pretty much on average of every defense turnover, uh, and, that, and that's the tough part. I mean, Kansas City's currently the third defense off the board between after Houston and Denver, with an average draft position at the beginning of the eleventh round. I will not pay an eleventh round price for, for the Chiefs. I agree. Um, with that. 
I got so, the Chiefs in our mock, and I promise you, because a lot of people in my leagues are, are have a thought process like you, like us, I got them in our mock in the 13th. Um, it was the third defense. It went Broncos first, uh, then Cardinals, then I took the Chiefs, and then it went next three picks were Texans, Patriots, Raiders. Um, oh, so Raiders. I, yeah, that's interesting. I don't – I agree. Never in a 16 draft uh, round league, there's no way you're taking a defense in the 11th round. That's not a good pick. Does not matter. Unless there's huge bonus points in your league for returns or interceptions for touchdowns. But it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Um, but I do love the Chiefs defense. Again, that's another, I think, defense that I feel like in the years that I've won it, for whatever reason, over the last five years, I feel like the Chiefs have been my defense. So I have some, some, I have a, personal a, yeah, attachment. some personal attachment to them, and they're 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 in a good spot. So what do you? So when the this year you're thinking you're in a 16 man league, uh, I mean in a 16 round draft, you are 14. 14 taking defense, and then... Potentially. And then, but it all, if people run to the floodgates for defenses, and there's seven or eight defenses off the board, I'm going to say, fuck it, I'm going to draft another player. Just like everything else. Like, if I'm not one of the first to get there, I'm going to be one of the last ones to leave. If you're not a first responder, you're going to take a nap? Like, if I'm not the first one at the bar... I'm not leaving that motherfucker first. Trust me, I'm leaving that motherfucker last. <laughs> and, if I'm, and if my buddies have been at the bar all the time, I'm going to show up late after a nice nap, and they're going to make you catch up uh, Moltz uh, Demo style <laughs> at the Irish place. Um, yeah, no, you know, there's no, there ain't no wrong or ain't no right, and I think same thing goes for kickers. I think there's, there's, what do you think? How many kickers do you think are in that same zone right now? Let's just scale it back to defense for one second. Okay. Because the numbers bear it out every year. That five of the top ten defenses will not be in the top ten of ADP. So you're going to find a streamable defense at some point who's going to put up points for it. And we look at it all the time. What matters is they've scored touchdowns. So maybe they added a rookie returner who's electric. You know, the Tyreek Hills of the world. But what what if they move Tyreek Hill to more full-time offense and you're left with... And I think that's happening. So, like, return TDs are a very, very fluid thing. So I, I first like to go for sacks turnovers. Because sacks, you know, in, the, in themselves create pressure. And pressure creates turnovers. So I'm looking for sacks first as the base of my fantasy defense. But you don't, if you don't get what you think solid, solid, locked in, your points aren't really coming from being a lockdown defense allowing 15 points a game like the Baltimore Ravens. They're not the best fantasy defense. That's not how it works. But unless you know you're scoring, your scoring could be different. But in typical scoring... It's very different weighted towards interceptions and returns and touchdowns. And you're right. And, and some of these stances that I have have to go by know your league. My oldest league, sorry that we're referring to so many my league so, so much, I do that. 
obviously a lot more than Stags, who he does as well. So I guess I'm doing it for both of us in his uh, absence. But my oldest league, you don't get points for sacks, interceptions, or it's basically based purely on points allowed. And you get 15 points if you shut somebody out. So it's that lockdown defense is an important thing. Where do, what do you want to do there? You want to look at strength of schedule. Is there someone on their um, schedule, this defensive schedule, that they could hold and, and shut out, hold the under three points, hold the under seven points, hold the under 15 points? That's how the scoring is. And it's crazy, but it's just I'm in a league with grumudging old crazy people that have lost because – you know, Deshaun Jackson scores a last-minute uh, punt return on, uh, on on a on a team, and that cost them the week. Like, Screw it! That's too much of a that's too much of a wild card. Let's just make the defense based on scoring points. That's what defenses are, anyways. So know your league because how the scoring goes for your defense and whether you know kind of extends out to special teams. Whether it's uh, whether it's point based, you gotta know it, and that that should help define when you want to go for it, and which defenses you think fill the vo- fill the role of a great defense in your league. Um, I think you know kickers, whatever. I'm kind of I, I was last year all in on the kicker. There's all I would say is there's get a kicker on the top. Seven team that you think is going to score the most points. Yep. One of the offenses is going to get it over the fifty yard line the most. If you have, if your kicker in your scoring league gives you five points for a fifty yarder, look at that. Um, some leagues do, some leagues don't. If you've got a kicker that, that can crank out a fifty yarder, like uh, Denver's done for ages, um, then so be it. Then you know, wait, wait a little higher on a guy that does that can achieve that, and a coaching staff that's willing to say, you know what, we're sitting here at the friggin' forty yard line, um, and uh, the, our opponent's forty yard line, and instead of and it's it's fourth and three, you know what, we believe that this guy can kick a fifty three yard field goal. Then zone in on a guy that can do that. You know what I mean? Know your league. I think the kicker and the defense stuff is so much about your scoring system. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, and, and just tie that kicker to a top offense. You can count on point after you know touchdowns. You can't really count on field goals ever. They're fluky. But also know, know some tendencies of the team. Yeah. Know that you know maybe Pittsburgh is more likely to go for two than any other team in the league. And how does that affect you? Going to affect you over this, you know, course of the season. Good and point. if there's negative, you know, points for inaccurate kickers, then you really got to know the guys who, you know, never miss PATs yep. and, and won't get your minus two there. Which and, is and which is what which was, Goskowski like hadn't missed a PAT in like literally six years until last year, and I think he missed like three. Um, but yeah. Great point. So these positions, know know your rules, and um, I don't know, know in, in high-scoring offense. So uh, Matt Bryant on the Atlanta sounds pretty good. Dallas sounds pretty good. Green Bay sounds pretty good. I'm also taking Patriots. dome kickers all day. What's that? Taking dome kickers. Dome, yeah, exactly. 
think about it when you're when you're running your 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 championship and when you're in the playoffs. It's winter time, and if you're got uh, who's Crosby on Green Bay? Is he still in Green Bay? Yeah, uh, Crosby and Green Bay, or you've got friggin' Matt Bryant and uh, the new dome in Atlanta in warm weather. It's it, you know there's gonna be advantages uh, if you're at a home game and in Lambo. So there's a lot of little things like that. I like that dome call. Uh, anyway, I think I think we're good to go here, don't you? It's about it's storming it's out. About right? snore, it's storming. Storm, so let's we call got, it. Yeah, we got rain coming. We got thunder coming, guys. Uh, Stag party. Fuck love you, it. thunder. Fuck you, thunder. Is that better? Yeah. Uh, fuck I still. Have, thunder. Fuck your fucking fuck. I haven't seen Ted two yet. I'm, I, Don't. I'm, it's bad. Ted one was sweet. Ted two suck balls. Yeah, I was alright. Um, all right, guys. Have fun. Uh, this is actually a short podcast for us based on our last, like, five or so. We're going under three hours, uh, and that's just two of us. Um, thanks for uh, following us on this journey. Trying not to promote too much stuff, but go to pyromaniac.com. Enjoy our content. And pick up the draft kit. Sign up for Pyro Pro. We are, um, I know that I'm going to be posting about Four pieces uh, tomorrow alone. Three pieces tomorrow alone. Um, and just, we're in high gear. we got a sweet team in place. Season's upon us. I, training camps and all that stuff starts, as Stag Party said, the next handful of days. Season is here. It's fantasy football time. It's a year-round process. Let's win this friggin' thing together. Thanks for joining us on this. Uh, we love you. And, um... Let's do it. Like I said, the last thing I'm going to say is pick up that draft kit. My, my, the thing that I'm calling out on that is be the hunter, not the hunted. Stag party, got anything to say? Give him love. Say it. Peace. Deuce. Rain, rain. Wow. There's some sleety going on. All right, guys. We love you. Who loves you and who do you love? Pyro, out.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.